Drop! The Kitchen Nightmares podcast. Join us on our journey through bad food, worst restaurants, and even somehow worst television. Hello everyone, once again, it's me, your old pal, the American Kitchen Nightmare, Kevin Mann, joined in this new venture as we look through the United States Kitchen Nightmares, hosted by the one and only Gordon Ramsay. I'm joined by my best buds and saucy side dishes, Two of the best people in this three-course tasting menu of reality TV nonsense. First to my right, the Greg Wallace to my John Tarot, Joanna Graham. I'm so flattered. Way! Oi. Are you excited for this venture, Joe? Oh, I'm very excited. I said I was I'd call you Greg Wallace and then you insult my Irishness with the worst oh accent ever. Oh my god. Uh, Joe, you excited about our new podcast? I'm so, so excited for this. I'm really excited to do a podcast that's not about wrestling. Yeah, it's great the three of us are here in this uh, capacity. Three of us? Who could that be coming on down the line? Why, it's Captain Star Bookie O'Hare himself and the commander of coffee on this lovely podcast, Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, how are we doing? I'm very excited and I know this is something that we have talked about in some capacity I always going to say almost as long as we've been podcasting, it could well be longer than this. Adam, are you excited to get to grips with Kitchen Nightmares and Gordon Ramsay? So jazzed. It feels like we've built up all this stuff over the years that we need to get off our chest. And like Joe said as well, we're not talking about wrestling. This is officially my first podcast where I can tell my parents they might enjoy it. I know, right? Same. I might yeah. actually tell my parents about this podcast. <laughs> I- I'll make sure to put in enough obscure wrestling references that they'll regret that decision immediately don't yeah. worry guys it'll scare them off it'll be fine right i'm going to start off with a couple of broad questions just to kind of lay some groundwork because this is a big old undertaking that we have under our way here and we can't go in half cocked like much like gordon himself would never do such a thing i'm going to ask each of y'all and then hopefully one of you will ask me your experience with the television show kitchen nightmares <laughs> That's my uh, knife sound effect. I'll go first yeah. because I know the least about Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, really? I didn't even watch Kitchen Nightmares until after I met you two. No, freaking well, I never knew this. Yeah, I mean, no. I'd, seen, I'd seen clips on YouTube, but like I'd never seen a full episode and I'd never seen like the UK Kitchen Nightmares, especially. Oh you know what's weird? I kind of think the number of times where we, where we sit around and kind of go, God, we've introduced each other to so many things yeah. and you list all the foods you've introduced to me and vice versa. And we'll do the, you know, we'll do the animes, the movies, the this, the that. Never once has this come up. This is like a, a level of like wrestling as far as I'm concerned that you've not seen before. So, I mean, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, has it, has it been something you've enjoyed watching? Oh, then, I love it so much. But yeah, that's the thing. Like when me and Kevin started talking about we wanted to do like a quarantine podcast together and the Kitchen Nightmares idea came up and I was immediately like, we cannot do this without Adam. Like, it is not fair. Like, I, I cannot take this from you two. I mean, I also, I mean, there's a question of fairness and there's also the question of the paper trail because I'm pretty sure Adam and I have left lots of evidence of wanting to do this podcast <laughs> strewn across the audio landscape of the past seven or so years. 
Adam, Kitchen Nightmares, how did you get acquainted with this beautiful piece of television? I watched the original UK series with my parents way back in the day when it came out, and that wasn't like watching it for yucks or for laughs, that was watching it because it was genuinely interesting, like, mm. oh, this man's going to go and save this restaurant, and he's got a bit of a temper, so he <laughs> might get a bit wacka This man's going to go insane. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to genuinely enjoy the UK Nightmares, and I watched a little bit of the US one with my mum before now, and then I think it was going to Lincoln University and meeting up with people like you and our good friend Isaac, where we all started talking about how really weird Gordon Ramsay actually is. <laughs> uh, it never occurred to me before then that he is quite a strange man. And I believe it was when me and you lived together, Kevin, we got into a routine of like, I think pretty much every night for like two years straight, we would find another episode of Kitchen Nightmares or Hotel Hell or something that he had done. I mean, in fairness, Adam, we had to find downtime between the episodes of the Broken Skull Challenge. Like, you know, <laughs> there, was, there was a strike on set, like, so we needed our fix of reality. I mean, my experience with Kitchen Nightmares, is it's similar to yours, Adam, in some respects, because like, I watched it with my parents growing up and it was one of those, like, you ever one of those shows that your parents, when you're kind of, you're not quite an adult yet, but you're not a little kid either. But they sit you down there and you watch it all together. Like, I'm watching Have I Got News For You? And let me tell you, I've got opinions on Ed Miliband. You know, I, I felt that like I had that cold feet going. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in retrospect, like, it was not an appropriate show for you to watch. That is a grown-up show, that is. Yeah, that's, that's a grown-up-ass show right there. So, I mean, this was, yeah, I think similar to you, this had, like, really strong memories with me as a as as a kind of a teenager watching these shows and like i would remember going to restaurants and stuff and like going to restaurants as a kid is quite a stressful experience when you had parents like mine who expected it to be fucking good because they're like well, we've been working all week you know we're, we're flattening our backs and we're going out once a month to go to a restaurant and if it's not good they're gonna hear about it so like <laughs> i was watching this and i could see the catharsis of my parents being like going like yes fucking shit that comes out cold you, you tell him gordon you fucking tell him man yeah so i then when i moved to, to lincoln and whatnot the, it, the trasher u.s kitchen nightmares took me by by storm because i started watching this maybe around 2009 or 10 i think and i hated it because it, all the the editing had made i was like mm. oh this is this is this is not kitchen nightmares i think it's quite jarring if you are used to uk reality television yeah. from that era and then you get into the more americanized editing style with all the sound effects and the fast editing and yeah. the adr and like when i was 19 or 20 i had no chill whatsoever for trashy reality tv cuts like and that that for me was like no gross i like kitchen nightmares uk where he makes a genuine effort he genuinely <laughs> helps this this company or he genuinely helps these people and they improve it where they can and it's honest and it's proper and it's fucking british mate yeah and, <laughs> but it was when i moved to, to to lincoln and you and isaac and billy and like there's a lot of people who i met who were really into things like youtube poops and like the silliness of editing and i was wondering with you you two guys was it the fact that you both did media? Do you think that that is kind of like me being in this group is that maybe brought me into the reality show more? I mean, do you get a perverse love of watching these shows given that you both have, you know, at university learned about how TV shows are made? Absolutely. I think for me, it started when Charlie Brooker did his episode on ScreenWrite and they covered reality television shows like The Apprentice. And I'm pretty sure they did one about Big Brother as yeah. well. 
and they included things like all the editing techniques they used to like rewrite the narrative and all the sound mm. effects they do to kind of like make it more dramatic i was like what is this magic this is amazing <laughs> adam what are some of like the tricks of the trades that we see in the kitchen nightmares us that we wouldn't see in the uk well i mean like joe said there it's more staged and constructed in terms of like they're very clearly trying to make a narrative rather than just tell you the narrative of what actually happened they're trying to construct something by editing it together and telling the story they want to tell and that's interesting like i do find that kind of thing fascinating but in all sincerity I mean, it's got to be a challenge right to, to to create a narrative essentially out of nowhere oftentimes in these episodes it feels like i mean that is something we actually did in university when we were doing like our documentary module and it's like oh we thought this was going to be really interesting and it wasn't that interesting so now in the edit we have to try and make a story that wasn't really there wow so when you did your documentary about that clown in lincoln did you like <laughs> do loads of like dutch tilt black and white footage like what do we really know about this <laughs> this clown <laughs> but as interesting as that stuff is the thing that really drew me to kitchen nightmares in particular particular is the sort of like carnival levels of noise and stress and it's this constant barrage of sound effects and fast edits that in particular is what drew me to american reality tv because that's something we don't really get as much over here is the loud noise and the cacophony that's constantly thrown at you the, the closest i think we get is on master chef when <laughs> you know sometimes i mean we, we we get those noises right joe it's so tame by comparison though because like on master chef you'll get the occasional like actual recorded like knife chop like one of the contestants will be chopping vegetables and it will be edited into the music whereas right. on american reality tv shows and especially like things like kitchen nightmares you get like violin strings doing like horror sound effects like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so cinematic like if you use it in a horror movie people would be like that's a bit much yeah and the fact that television, that's fine the fact that we're talking about a fucking restaurant like you know usually it, it, i mean it's a bit much in this <laughs> the one specific one that i remember is sort of like what unlocked my ability to enjoy this stuff is again our friend isaac that we mentioned like you said kevin we were into like watching youtube poops and edits me and him were watching a compilation of Ramsey shouting at people on Hell's Kitchen and there's a bit in it where he kicked a bin and I noticed that they put a cannon sound effect over it and that, oh that's the exact God. moment I realised like this is great wouldn't it be great if they uh, at some point have a clip of Gordon like yelling at one of the idiots that works at the restaurant and they include like a lion roar in the background to make him sound really <laughs> scary like, what? or a car crash or something it, I just, just think it seems a little bit like we perhaps have somewhat different kind of grasps on Gordon because I think he fulfills different roles for all of us I mean Gordon Ramsay now is not the same as Gordon Ramsay from the year like 2003 or 4 right no because like no I don't know about you guys he's probably one of the biggest impacts on like me as a, as a cook and like someone who likes cooking and, and anything like that like his recipes his his series like the F word and stuff like that where he would you know have his his stuff to to, to an audience but then he'd do stuff where it's just him in his house and he'd make up something like that. You know, him convincing his kids to kill those turkeys. Very powerful moment. <laughs> Christmas Eve as well, no less he did it. You know, very powerful moment. But like for you guys, do you get that sense of like here's a man who actually because I, I feel he's he even still with all of this madness that he has a bit of gravitas about him. But you've just described lion roars and cannon shots. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm going to tell the line of, like, here's a chef who I fucking legitimately still respect 
and respect his opinions on food. Are you guys, I mean, do you cook, do you cook often? Does it, does that impact you at all? Does Gordon glean back any serious points for you because he's a great chef? I mean, I do, I still respect him as a chef. He clearly knows what he's talking about and he's clearly got successful for a very good reason. He's very good at cooking and he's very knowledgeable of it. And I was the same as you. I used to watch a lot of his more informative shows. Like, I know how to cut onions because hey. of Gordon Ramsay. There's a lot of things I've actually learned that, that, from honestly, him. Honestly, his onion chopping and his scrambled egg making, they're the two mm. best of each on YouTube. And I swear there are thousands of videos doing that. Yes. But for every one video where he teaches you something like that that's really helpful, it does feel like he's got dozens these days where it's just like, garlic, <laughs> knife perfectly minced like he doesn't give actual instructions he just says things and expects you to keep up I with him like really want to do a video at some point this is something i've mentioned before but i feel i have to officially mention it on this podcast now i want to do a cook-along video where you're not allowed to watch the video at all you just have to listen to gordon's directions and try and work out what's going on i think it'd be quite funny <laughs> if i tried to do a cooking video of gordon's like because i don't really cook much anyway you, it's need, like, you need to have there done <laughs> what the fuck's going on you need to have the the, the guitar so we do that <laughs> and I the violins when I get it wrong <laughs> mincemeat burger barbecue done <laughs> my all time favourite example of those is one that Kevin pointed out to me years ago where he's like I think he's frying up some garlic or something in oil and he's like if you ever find that your oil gets too hot just simply and you're back in control like, he just turns his wrist and he's like what what does that mean <laughs> Control, Adam. It's all about control. And you know what I hate most, right? Is that like I feel I, I've I've kind of been the the main chef in the house. Even before I met you, Joe, I was the main chef in the house when I lived with with this mm. man over here. So like I feel like I've been cooking for properly, I'd say for around ten years now. I've got like ten years of like I actually am cooking more meals than I am getting ready meals and stuff of that nature. And I used to scoff a lot about Gordon's vagueity of his instructions. But there is something to be said for, you know, not being confined by the exact minutiae of the recipe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I made a mac and cheese at the weekend and I eyeballed it. It was the first time I ever did it where I didn't weigh everything out. And I felt like a fucking god, <laughs> you know? <laughs> for me, the thing I like about Gordon Ramsay, and I feel like this may be affected by the fact that, like, obviously came into Gordon Ramsay a lot later than most people. But, like, I always thought he was just this legitimately angry nasty chef yeah and it was only later on then when you kevin showed me the uk kitchen nightmares where he actually helps people and is quite nice mm. but i was like oh it's just a character and then i ended up watching a bit of marco pierre white's cooking videos and it all turns out that he's like has this bad boy persona that he puts on just to like sell books and mm -hmm. stuff yeah but now he has restaurants instead of a bad boy persona he just has a bad comma <laughs> boy persona like you know and to hear that gordon ramsay basically was like very much influenced by marco pierre white's character of being like this bad boy angry chef and then gordon just like turned it up to 11 and was like yes this is my brand now i, mm. I think that's really quite amazing we've seen a lot of wrestlers do yeah. similar things he works right? a, as a heel yeah and like you know it <laughs> it was something which like gordon didn't embrace necessarily straight away because you see some of his earlier stuff in the uk and it seems quite like kind of reserved and nuanced 
and like that you know he came to prominence because of things like boiling point and these like documentaries where it's like bbc like let's just put a camera in one of these coked up kitchens and see what happens and mm-hmm. they'd be like where where the fuck is the food and people be like oh my god this is incredible <laughs> so like the fact that that was like world breaking in like 1995 or 1996 and the fact that like i think honestly in the uk it got a bit passe by the mid 2000s which is why gordon was doing stuff like you know kitchen nightmares where he was trying to actually help but america bottomless all you can eat they have infinite capacity for that it's like saying like japan is is going to run out of its capacity to appreciate cute animals with beady eyes it's Mm. like that there will always be a cultural appetite for it there and americans love angry british chefs who aren't even british (laughs) not just chefs as well because i have wondered in the past seeing as gordon ramsay became this kind of like super angry character after simon cowell like became famous in america for being a super angry british man Mm -hmm. like their characters are so similar a lot of crossover there a lot of crossover yeah that has never occurred to me that's crazy (laughs) isn't it yeah all right i was gonna ask you guys before we we get into the episode du jour season four episode 12 capri I will tell you all about it in a second. But I think it's a good idea for us to get ourselves into the right mind space every episode by sharing a kitchen nightmare. Now, the three of us have no doubt experienced many kitchen nightmares. And for the purposes of this podcast, I'm defining a kitchen nightmare as any negative experience where you've ordered food out, ordered food in, made food, or have had food made for you. So basically anything relating to the you getting nutrients into your cake hole, essentially. Now, we have got an email address, folks, for our podcast, and it is itsrawpod at gmail.com. That's itsrawpod at gmail.com. And we would encourage all of you to send us your kitchen nightmares, your bad experiences, the best and dare I say the worst will be read out here by us on these episodes and we will use that email address as well if you have any recommendations for episodes any stories about Gordon or Gordon facts (laughs) hashtag Gordon facts send those all to itsrawpod at gmail.com let's start a correspondence and I will put it to you Joanna and Adam to give me a kitchen nightmare who's got one to start us off i mean i know i've got many but uh let's see what you guys have got i've got a story that i could tell but i think i'm going to wait till later on in this episode where it might be a bit more relevant so joe have you got one for us i do and i feel really bad telling this story on this podcast because it's involving my mum oh she's gonna get buried now (laughs) and my mum is a really (laughs) good cook but she has this compulsion of going through cookery books recipe by recipe by recipe and then never cooking them again so my childhood was a lot of like random dishes that were like some were really nice and we'd never have them again and some were absolutely vile and we'd have to wait until the recipe book had been used up before we could then move on to something else if she finished the recipe (laughs) book would she do another lap like you know would she she go back to the start and do another once more with feeling then she just puts the recipe book on the shelf and moves on to the next book (laughs) so she has this collection of recipe books where all the recipes have been cooked once and she's rated them but will never cook them again wow <laughs> yeah she's very organized about it but anyway as a result we ended up with some really nice meals sometimes and some absolute nightmares and the worst thing she ever cooked for us was this mint yogurt pita bread and the mint yogurt like it doesn't sound Wait, that you're bad it's just a pita bread with mint yogurt inside yeah but it also had like broccoli but the broccoli was like just I love broccoli. Yeah, I love but, broccoli but too. But the broccoli mm-hmm. was like had nothing on it. So it was just plain broccoli in this plain pita bread 
with this very minty yogurt inside. Now I don't really like mint much, but I'm okay with it for the most part if it's quite subtle. This was not subtle. It tasted like toothpaste. Oh man, the yogurt. Mm. I think mint is probably like one of my absolute least favorite yeah, flavors. Yeah, this would have been your worst meal you've ever had. And the thing yeah. is, even though it had all this mint yogurt inside, it was really dry. Like really, really dry. All <sighs> Literally all of us, all four of us around the table were like, actually, no, thank you. We don't want any dinner tonight. We'll go to bed hungry. And mum was like, yes, oh. I think that's for the best. <laughs> your mum cooks such a bad meal, you punished yourself? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think it's worth saying at the start, as this goes on, we're probably going to end up talking a lot about food that we don't like or you know things that we don't like. And I think it's worth bearing in mind, I, I, as someone who, who's tried very hard to make his palate broader in, in the last few years, and as someone who grew up as a very fussy kid, but I had an excuse to be fussy because I was one of those weird premature lactose intolerant babies. So, you know, biology, mate, you know. Uh, but I will say, we're all very much pro-food here in the broadest sense of the term possible, right? I mean, we don't put on airs. If it's fancy food or cheap and cheerful, I mean, I get as much joy from fucking fish fingers and hash browns as I do from a, you know, a whole cuisine. Yeah, I feel like we all have our individual tastes when it comes to, like, good trash food. I know I make fun of Kevin's opinions on trash food a lot of the time. Kevin loves easy singles. I absolutely despise them. Okay, if we can all pick mm. one naughty trash food that is like, right, all right, you can make fun of me for it. Fair dues. For me, it's got to be easy singles. What's it for you, then? Oh, you're going to make fun of me. Well, obviously. I just admitted <laughs> to liking yellow sheet plastic on a podcast. Oh, you... but there's so many I really like. Oh, I can't choose between either Frey Bentos pies, which I kind of feel Ooh. isn't even fair to call that trash because they're legitimately fantastic. Yeah, they are. My absolute favourite trash food is Dairy Lee Dunkers. Really? Oh. You know what? You've not eaten either of those I in know, the last several years. Because so. you made fun of Adam eating them once and then I was like really <laughs> self-conscious. So what? Like, you're, you're allowed to mock me non-stop for getting my food and you just don't get yours. I don't get this at all. <laughs> so wait, there's, there's no trash food that you actually like that you get. I mean, because you like trashy noodles sometimes. I uh, love trashy like noodles. A, a cheap, uh, we got introduced Joe to the, the pride of Ireland, which is coca noodles uh, when we went so home good. for Christmas <laughs> recently. And it's like, I used to make these with the hot tap that ran boiling water out of it in boarding school. Like, so <laughs> enjoy. Adam, trash food of choice. And we can always change these episode to episode, I'm sure. But yeah, because we've all got lots of tastes and, and good the trash. The time of year depends on it as yeah, well. Yeah, true. So. Mm -hmm. Off the top of my head, I'm going to have to say straight up crisp sandwiches. Oh. I could eat those all day, every day. What flavour, what type of bread? Right, now this is where, yeah, the trashier the better. So I'm going to say like white bread with utterly butterly on it. Yes. And like salt and vinegar already Ooh. salted. Something like that, something really salty. I'd oh, go cheese no. and onion personally. Yeah, but... yeah. Mm. Very good, yeah. Very good. Three three aficionados of the crisp sandwich right here. Yeah. I actually had to give step-by-step -step instructions on Cinema Swirl to Sam Chaplin how to make and eat a crisp sandwich because he was worried about... A lot of people worry about crisp sandwich, about the construction of it. You know, jagged pieces in the mouth, you oh, know. it's so good. The blood is the sauce. You, you gotta have the... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it cuts right through the, the fat of the butter and the crisps as well, doesn't it? Like? Here's, here's something I really want to try. And I'm only comfortable admitting it right here, right now, because I feel there'll be people who'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. And if you blood, two make fun blood of Blood on me... a sandwich, you say? <laughs> <laughs> and does that, is that any old blood now, or would I have to be getting my own? Like, here we are in quarantine advocating the use of fucking blood. Like. And I was about to be like, oh, I like black pudding, like, but it seems like a moot point now. <laughs> I want to try 
and make a club crisp sandwich. Oh, as in layers. As in layers. Yeah. But the only filling is bread, butter, and crisps. Hell yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> If that's a club sandwich, that bread needs to be toasted and a toasted crispy Wouldn't sandwich. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. No, that's With too crispy. bread? No, no, that'd be great. If you buttered it, so yeah. it's like crispy, but also wet. Oh. All right, so you need, to, you need to have a light toast then. Light toast, butter it, maybe both sides. Because when I'm making yeah. a club sandwich, I'll go for like kind of a dry brown toast just so it can stand up to the juice of the chicken and the tomato and the, the mayo that's and all that. different though, because the grease of the got, bacon, you yeah. Know? If you've not got the bacon and the chicken, you've got to go for the, the cheap white bread because of the crisps. You don't want to overpower it with your bread. Here, anyone else like me when you have something on a really cheap white bread like you got an easy single sandwich or a crisp sandwich and it's on really cheap white bread do you ever like just crush it into an orb in your hand <laughs> no, <laughs> says, no. no never. you ever do that it's great he's going and it'll become a ball, and you can see the ball. that's horrible and what's great is depending on how you crush it you'll get different like ribbons and veins uh, of your filling so like it looks like the palm imprint of yeah. your hand oh. horrible oh. That's how you do it, baby, right there. I'm with you on this club sandwich idea, Joe, but I want to put forward that we maybe don't just use like different flavours of crisps, but different textures as well. So you oh. have some McCoys and some Walkers in there, perhaps. Some ridged chips. Yeah. yeah. Or some ridged. like Pringles or something. Yeah, chips. legit. Yeah, I would say just don't go into corn snacks. I'm not having a pop at corn snacks, but corn snacks are too drying, they are, I they're think. They're a bit powdery. Mm-hmm. And you need the oil of a good... I'm telling you, a potato crisp would have the requisite oh, oil for that now. You <laughs> might have to go abroad for that. Right, before we make ourselves too hungry, let's head on into something that will definitely get rid of that problem for ourselves. <laughs> Adam, I threw it to you to pick the inaugural episode that we are covering, and you settled on, as we said, Season 4, Episode 12, which is Capri Italian Restaurant in Eagle Rock, California. By the way, folks... Where do I watch these episodes? Literally fucking anywhere. In the UK right now, you can watch all of Kitchen Nightmares US on 4OD, on Prime Video. There are official and unofficial whole episodes available on YouTube as well, as well as the actual Kitchen Nightmares YouTube channel, where you can watch things like one hour of Gordon watching disgusting burgers being served. Great so, if you're yeah. feeling really hungry and you want to put yourself off for like another couple of hours. Yeah, We watch MasterChef and then we watch a compilation afterwards just to take it right back down there. So, Adam... Why'd you take us to Eagle Rock for our first episode? Okay, without wanting to spoil too much, because we'll get into it, we're going to go through this blow by blow. But I chose this one because I remember this episode being one of those things that when I watched it at the time, it was genuinely like, this isn't believable. There's no way this is real because this is too cartoonish to be an actual situation in real life. The the gist of it is, we've got this restaurant that is run by these two identical twins who are both like, they've... I just love the idea of this being pitched to Gordon, right? There's this restaurant, yeah? And he's like, "Mm, but they're identical twins. Oh, all right, yeah, 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 I like the sound of this. (laughs) And I feel bad, like, describing them this way, but I did notice on YouTube that everyone came to the same conclusion. They have big Tweedledee and Tweedledum energy, these two lads. They really do. And I feel like they are leaning hard into that fact. Like, I don't feel they would be insulted by that description because they are both into, like, pranks. Mm -hmm. They're both really silly. Mm -hmm. Very childish, like. Like, very childish and they like they wear matching clothes like when you first come across them they literally have matching flower stains on, the, on their tops <laughs> yeah. uh, also as well anytime i think this really you know if, if you don't want the comparison to be made you should avoid this really in real life you know you know they walk out and then they play this music like burr, 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 <laughs> and that for me is like well if you're trying to avoid the tweedledum tweedledee comparison 
don't be playing that music for yourselves every time you walk in. Like, play something with a little bit of bass in it, a little bit of, a little bit of timber, you know? We get the sizzle reel at the start here. And the sizzle reel of every episode of Kitchen Nightmares is like the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Particularly if you've seen the episode before. And when this starts off with, this night on Kitchen Nightmares, it's... Uh, Double Trouble. <laughs> I immediately remembered watching this with you, Adam. Mm-hmm. And almost losing my breath we laughed so much mm. and the phrase like when you stop laughing and you start saying just stop 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 that's not a good <laughs> good look for the episode these two get a get put up big by the announcer they're messy they're smelly they're loud and they're emotional and they're coming to kitchen nightmares smelly <laughs> yeah same same. Uh, and then after that, it just cuts to Gordon going, you'll fucking kill somebody. And then the guy's like, yeah, well, I screwed up. So it's going to go well. Uh, it's going to go well. I like the intros of all the kitchen nightmares because very often they will have various knives mm-hmm. being thrown at Gordon. You know, and Gordon's no chill. Like He's like, whatever, you throw as many knives as you want. And often they'll form an outline around him or they'll smash through glasses. But for some reason, because it's in, in America, we've got Miserloo. Yeah. The, the, oh, the guitar yeah. Bit there, yeah. So I was a little bit of salt and pepper on the intro there for, for, for Gordon, you know? So is that not normal? Well, we're doing, in the UK, it's just. And then a knife will go. ASMR, folks. That's what it is. But it, they were confident in just the knife percussion in the UK. The yeah. US, they're like, oh, you know, fucking have Gordon Ramsay come out. You can always get what you want. <laughs> Welcome to the episode of Kitchen Nightmares. In the town where I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff and Jim are the twins du jour, folks. I find them quite adorable, honestly. I think they are quite cute. Like, they are just, they come across as really, like, obviously this is not the case throughout the whole episode, but at the start they come across as these, like, happy guys. Yeah. You know, they bought this restaurant because they love food. Mm-hmm. They figured they could have free food if they owned a restaurant, Aww. which is extremely same. <laughs> they say here that they came lots and then they decided to buy it. Is there anywhere that, like, you guys would have went to so often they thought, you know what, I'd buy this if I had the money, you know, I'll turn it around. Hmm... Not in a sense of wanting to turn something around because I already like it, but there is a great little food place near where you guys live that we've been to several times in the last year or two. And I, yeah, I just think it would be a fun sitcom style situation if we all owned that place together and we just hang out there all day, every day. It's so funny you say that because that was going to be my answer as well. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't want any of this because it's going to end up like in Frasier. Like someone's going to end up like driving a car, like Billy will drive a car through the front window or something. Like, yeah, it'll it'll be all bad. I don't want any of it to do with that. There was a place back in Lincoln where we used to go and it was one of these like one of these places where they had obviously had issues with their 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 cash flow let's just say and there was a persistent rumor i worked in the financial service street uh one street over you know the, the big street silver street in lincoln it's so, so funny mm-hmm. to think that lincoln has a financial services I street know. Yeah. and when i when those four <laughs> weeks where i worked in the insurance bi- business and my dickhead boss was like i think they might start calling me the stag of silver street kevin you think that <laughs> the, the stag of silver street the wolf of wall street had just come out in the cinemas you say oh, really but there was an I italian know. there where i, I I'd heard that apparently there was a, a lot of money issues because the owners uh, were, were in deep to the gambling, let's just say. And I think any time 
the last three years I lived in Lincoln where I needed to take anyone for a meal, be it like my parents for somewhere nice, you know, you, Joe, to impress you, yeah. you, Adam, to have a business dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we went to that Italian place like 19 times. It was yeah. so good. The and, portions yeah. were fantastic. It was so were. big and delicious. But I remember you always said that like you went in there once and there was some guy on the phone being like, oh, I don't know, we're running out of money. I don't think we can keep going. And like there was no one in the restaurant so you could hear it really easily. <laughs> The amount of times where I ordered something there and the guy literally walked over while looking at a paper and just like fucked it on the table. Like, like by by rights, it should have been a kitchen nightmare because, you know, the, like the staff don't care. The waiters don't respect the owner who is absent and making you know, illogical demands of the of the chefs. But the food was still really good. Yeah, the food was yeah. good, which means it wouldn't have been suitable for US kitchen nightmares. No. But it probably would have been suitable for UK kitchen nightmares. Yes. I, I just kind of maybe wanted to get involved in it mainly because... I I've always figured I'd be really good in the world of organized crime and it felt like it was a front. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mia, the server, refers to Jim and Jeff as overgrown boys. I mean, that's what men are, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, the boys are kind of like the, the newer model, so to speak. Like, it's more like your iPod <laughs> Nano, whereas uh, overgrown boys here, like video iPod, technically functional, but, uh, you know, leave that stuff back in the, the 2003, if you know what I mean. Colleen, the server, also says that everyone is <sighs> entertained by their childishness. <laughs> oh, poor Colleen. We get the whole incident where you see them, you know, this is the bit at the start of the episode where we're, we're filming them before Gordon comes. So you yeah. kind of see the fly on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the flies on the wall, so to speak. Uh, and there's a whole incident involving raw chicken, guys. Oh, God, it's horrible. The poor server comes over and is like, well, apparently the chicken's raw. And then someone else is like, well, you can't win them all. There's no, there's no way oh to win. Oh, my God. You know, sometimes chicken will be raw. Sometimes it'll get cooked. Sometimes it won't. Yep. You know, you get the yin with the yan. You know, that's what it's like. Uh, he also came out and confronted the customer in question, say, what's the matter? You don't like raw chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of people eating raw chicken and making out as though it's like a delicacy? What is this? What are these viral pranks on TikTok? It's not a prank. It's like a... It's not a prank, bro. Like idiot white people thinking that you can have like a medium rare chicken breast. No. Is this this specifically a white people thing? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's some stupid white because people don't seem to understand about raw chicken. And there was this whole thing going on about normie Twitter about these people going like, I cooked my husband a medium rare chicken breast. Look at it, it's delicious. And then there was a video after them both being very, very (laughs) sick. I mean, I don't understand. You know what? Undercooked food is just a great equalizer, isn't it? You know, I just, there's something about like, the, the, the aggressive like I'm only going to eat meat like I bought a pint of blood from the abattoir watch me drink it oh no now I've got bloody poos you know it's just, <laughs> there's a great equalizer there they are hitting hard times because their finance and I quote has hit the pooper mm-hmm. <laughs> And also, Adam, these are quite lazy owners that we have. Oftentimes we get stressful owners who are like, you know, bouncing off the walls and now and then kitchen nightmares. We get some sleepy fellows and these are definitely the Snorlaxes of the group. Yes, they are. Later on, they'll justify why they're so lazy and why they don't like doing things. It's because they like to have more time to play on the computer and to read (laughs) magazines. Just want to play video games, man. Again, same. Did you see... (laughs) 
Did you see their secret nap spot, their hideout? No, I missed that. Same. They went into their car to nap. Oh, (laughs) that's the saddest sign of a restaurant if you see the owner sleeping in their car out front. (laughs) I ate my lunch in my car for, like, there was one one place I was when I was learning to teach, when I was doing teaching training. It was in Skegness and... It was one of those places that the place you ever had this with the place in work where you eat lunch is also like the place where the boss eats lunch and like oh lunch yeah. all of a sudden yeah. becomes like a big fucking meal Meeting, and all that yeah. and like he's like I've got twenty five minutes to fucking horse this tongue sandwich down my backside so like I, I got to get into the car and there's something about eating lunch in one's own car it's so fucking sad I'm fine with the idea of eating lunch in a car it's the, the taking a nap during your lunch break in a car which is like kind of like, oh poor thing because like. I've worked in so many jobs where, like, I've been absolutely exhausted. Like, there was a period of time where I was working a particular job and I was just not getting sleep. So I would nap at work. Mm. I would literally go to the toilets, into the cubicle, bring in my big scarf that I would wear in the office and, like, sleep on it for, like, ten minutes. Oh, Joe. Really sad times. God, that is, that's hard, like, yeah. Well, at least, you know... A car would have been nice. Yeah, at least you were running the business (laughs) with the the finances and the pooper at the time. (laughs) Gordon Ramsay is here, which means Gordon's in the house. I like when Gordon arrives that there's always this kind of like, you know, like this kind of like upbeat, you've learned the tutorial, now it's the first level and you know you know how to do the ground pound, you're going to get all the coins. You know, it's it's really (laughs) hopeful, upbeat music. Gordon sees the sign which says Capri open since 1963 and says 1963, more like closed since 1963. Boom. it's very quiet and they're not yet open. And then he looks at the door and just goes, hideous. <laughs> <laughs> There's that classic British wit right off the bat. Like, I mean, I know he's capable of better than that. And my question to you is, I've always tried to wonder on Kitchen Nightmares, do they feed him lines? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a headpiece? Yes. Napkin with some zingers written on beforehand. All of the above. Pie filled with uh, one liners. <laughs> it's in the plate of spaghetti. He has to rummage around. It's why he keeps touching all the food. Yeah, it's when he's putting down the dead rat in the toaster. Yeah. Like, oh, what's this in here? <laughs> dead rat. I feel like oftentimes he's given, like, he probably has, like, a, an equivalent of a joke book somewhere where he has loads of zingers written down that he can just sort of whip out when he needs them. Yeah, like the Jerry Lawler approach, yes. like a historic pile of zingers that are good in all scenarios i do feel like a lot of them are dubbed in after the fact like because they're so blatantly put in in post but i do feel like he does improvise a lot of the time because there is no excusing how terrible some of his jokes are that the only excuse must be that it is off the cuff (laughs) yeah like it's not like alan sugar in the uk apprentice where he's like well, I've got something to tell you, John. And he has a bit of a smile on his face and he turns over a page or two in his notebook. Yep. Uh, yeah, it looks like you should have uh, bought some shoes because uh, you used to be a shoe salesman, you know? And he's, like, and he's looking around, like, looking, looking at the researchers and the producers, giving a thumbs up, like, good one, guys, yeah. And all the other contestants are sat there like, <laughs> good one, Lord Sugar. <laughs> now, I'm a lot like you, Lord Sugar. I, too, make sick burns. Uh, <laughs> Gordon arrives to childlike music and sound effects. The sound effects for the fairy lights, I think, was the funniest thing. (laughs) Wait, what was this? Right, so he arrives and he looks around the inside of the restaurant and there's a shot of some really pretty fairy lights that they've hung up around. It looks looks nice, but they do a close-up on them and they add this, like, static electricity sound that's like... My God, look at this place. 
as though it's like, like twin dangerous peaks. electricity that's like really <laughs> scary and on the fritz. It's in our house now, you plonker. <laughs> I do like though, like all twins, they can't help but resist the urge to do a little bit of twin magic. You can look, but you can't touch. I screwed up. <laughs> uh, this guy pulls your switcheroo on Gordon Ramsay like nobody's business. Yeah. And uh, Gordon falls for it, hook line and fucking wink wink. No, he doesn't. I mean, he goes along with a little bit, right? <laughs> no, he's like, stop, stop pulling my plonker. <laughs> the problem is, he knows that there's twins there, doesn't he? Of course yeah, he does. Coming. In fact, the producer probably told them to do yep. this, yeah. and Gordon knew that they would do it, so then he would knock that shit down. Definitely. And Gordon has a lot of fun comparing them. He's like, God, look at you two, you're fucking identical. Look, we got t-shirt there, <laughs> t-shirt there. <laughs> Poison, yeah, identical twins, both wearing a T-shirt on their torso. What a what a wild ride! I do love that he's got that sort of. I'm pretty sure Dwight Schrute does this at some point where he's just staring at them, like fascinated by the fact that they are twins. He is so enthralled by their identicalness. <laughs> do you think Americans are more enthralled with the concept of of identical twins than than we would have here in in the UK? No, why? I just wonder because like, they, they set them up here with like such like a plum. Like it's when they come out, they literally. The first appearance of them in front of Gordon, they use the sound effect when you get one of the pieces of the Dragoon from Super Smash Bros. <laughs> when they appear, it goes, Shin! Like, and Gordon's like, Whoa! <laughs> it's fucking wild, man. Have you guys ever known twins to do a bit of the old switcheroo? Bellas don't count, uh, but like twin magic, anything like that, yeah. twins in your life? I mean, I have twins in my life. My aunties are identical twins, yeah. but they've they look very different from one another considering they're identical twins. So no, they've never done that. I mean, when they were kids, though, like... they might well have done, but I wouldn't have been born yet. So interesting because most twins that I know, one thing is that they do this, and the other thing is that they love telling people about doing it. Yep. Also, while they're doing it, they like telling people about doing it. There is a particular set of twins that I believe all three of us knew back in the day, and they were insufferable. And the only time it ever paid off for me was I was very, very intoxicated at a party one time in a room with a strobe light going off, and they got into an actual fist fight, and they were just like rolling around on the ground with with their hands around each other's throats. I remember me and my friend were like just stood there like, this is amazing. I had twins who were they were bro- they were younger brothers of someone who I did debating with, mm. and they were pure like because they were proper geniuses like they were and they were they had their poor mother run fucking ragged. She was like she just gave up essentially oh, by nice. the time they were like fourteen or fifteen. She's like right, these two fuckers are going to sit each other's GCSEs and there's like literally nothing I can do about it. And they did they did shit like that like where they. They took each other's exams. Wow. You know, if one of them had detention, they you know they did shit like that. You know, they they met up with groups of friends under the onus that it was one and the other. And like, I always wonder if there's a point with twins where, uh oh, we we've crossed the line here. You know, because like, I think that you trust is a hard thing to come by in this world. But twin trust, if you fuck up, like that, that's got to be like something that never comes back, right? True. True. Careful out there, all twins. Don't end up like these guys in Capri. Is all I'm saying, you know. I would love to meet some twins someday that actually I can't tell apart because all twins I've ever met, I've immediately been able to tell. Oh, the ones who I met, I, I could, they were legitimately inseparable. Wow. And like, as in you couldn't tell them apart at all, but they also would comb their hair and style their hair identically as See, well. Yeah. You know? Could you tell the difference between these two, Jim and Jeff? I mean, from their their attitudes, yes. Not from how they look, though. Not from how they look. Well, I mean, one of them's crying and one of them's shouting all yeah. the time. So that makes it kind of easy. Like. I think they look totally different from one another. Really? Mm. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously they're twins and they're identical twins, so they've got very similar face shapes and stuff, but I, yeah, I could tell them apart immediately. Well, I might come back with you later as I call these guys Jim and Jeff interchangeably because I'm pretty sure I just wrote down J for both of them <laughs> in my notes. Like, one of them cries, like, you know, so... So Gordon has arrived, and unlike a lot of the times when Gordon arrives, like, he comes, he usually has a chat with them, he observes a little bit of the service, and then he has a bite to eat, and he gets to kind of observe stuff going around. The problem here is that these fuckers don't run a lunch service, and they're closed from Monday, they're closed on Monday and Tuesday, so Gordon is like, right, you're only open Wednesday to Sunday, and you don't have a lunch service. You're fucking closed more often than you're open. Is that true? I mean, lunch service... It's only like an hour or two, right? I mean, uh-huh. I don't know. But they're not running lunch here. Bad luck. They open at 4pm, which is... I mean, if you're running a restaurant and you're hiring staff, like, why not do a lunch menu? Yeah. I'll tell you why. Because I mean, they've it's... got poker to play, Joe. They've got poker to be getting on with. <laughs> they've got to watch TV and sit in the sun. Why does this always happen? You have a restaurant. You have a business that's failing. You're probably going to go bankrupt, and you've got like banks pounding you for money. Like these guys are literally on like on the phones earlier. They're like, "Oh, I've not paid this bill in in six months. This one's you know this one's red now as opposed to to pink, so it's obviously a lot worse." You know, when you're having those conversations, why do you start laughing and taking it so not seriously when Gordon finally does arrive? I get the show is is a bit of fun, and it's also completely mad, but he is their best shot. At saving the business. And the amount of times people are like, I don't want you here. Well, why did you fucking arrange for him to come? The thing that drives me wild is like the fact that they don't get rid of like moldy food in the fridges ever. Mm. Every episode of Kitchen Nightmares, he finds something really disgusting that's like, you know, it would have taken two seconds to be like, okay, guys, I know we normally are fine with having the moldy raw chicken in the fridge, but let's just throw it out this time and then we'll we'll put it back in later when he's gone or something. (laughs) I hate it so much because like, I lived in my parents' house at university with, with, with my friends who were renting there. And my parents would kind of decide, like, hey, we're coming down, you know, this weekend. And all of a sudden, the student house has to look like a house that my parents would be happy with. So I would have, like, once every two to three weeks when I was in university, this, like, fucking panic attack inducing, like, shit, my parents are coming. We all have to clean the house. And we'd all, like, scrub it fucking, you know, proper. And, you know, we weren't messy by any stretches. But, you know... The fact that when we were age 18 and 19, we cared more about how a place looked. And we to didn't your even... own mother to as well. Yeah, Not right? Gordon yeah. Ramsay. What the fuck? No. Like, you know, I'm surprised. My mum's a bit nicer than Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Like, you know, she didn't understand. And I wasn't losing money or going bankrupt yeah. when the place is a bit smelly or anything. So, yeah, uh, they've got dirty old menus. To be fair, oh, this, is, this is something Gordon always does, right? Which is he will find something he doesn't like destroy it and be like look at that it's destroyed (laughs) he rips up the menu and it's like i can't read it now now of course you can't you've ripped it up he should and it should be burnt it's it's sticky and you can't if you can't read the menu because it's fucking sticky and it's like it's gone cloudy because it's so dirty it wasn't cloudy it It was was when he ripped ripped it open it went it sounded like yeah. Velcro. It, was it looked so like a gross. microwave that hadn't been cleaned in years. It was filthy. Like, and you know what the whole point of having those big plastic menus is? Is so you can wipe them down. It's meant to yeah. make it easier. Oh, God. So Colleen, who's one of the oldest servers, she's been here for nine and a half years, which I wrote down, Decade of Destruction, lol. And she <laughs> has been there before they took over and after 
And there's always someone like this in Kitchen Nightmares, the, the lifer, I, I call them. Mm. The person yeah. who's, been, who's seen all this shit, man. How long have you been here? Fucking years, man. These characters tend to have, like, an ill-founded confidence where they're like, I've been through every sort of crazy shit in this restaurant. I'm like, yeah, but if it goes out of business, you'll lose your job, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. the cavalier, I thought, uh, clean here a little bit. I mean, maybe she's just really anxious and doesn't want to... I don't know, get in trouble. Yeah. I feel like to me, I, I can't relate with the sort of the whole nine and a half years aspect of it, but I've been there before where it's sort of like you're stuck in this failing business and you just want to see it do well and you want to hang on as much as you can, but you are kind of despondent and kind of just like, well, I guess I'll just keep going along with it for as long as we possibly can. Like, I get it. I think there's just sort of like an apathy that comes after having to put up with the lack of success for such a long time. Yeah, and I kind of... I'm, I wonder when it was a good time to bring this up, but like you have obviously, Adam, you've worked in the food industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've worked in the food industry as well, Joe, but not necessarily in like uh, like working behind the counter, taking orders and making food. Type oh, thing. no, I have. What, you you have? Yeah, yeah. I worked in a delicatessen counter and a cafe and I had to make sandwiches and cook sausage rolls and things like that mm. and do coffees and teas and things. Very good. So you, you were kind of a coal counter specialist. And hot counter, definitely different from what Adam did because Adam had to do actual cooking and like right. recipes and things. Mine was like mostly assembling food. Okay, right, right. You were more of a sandwich artist. Then. Sandwich artist, <laughs> popping shit in the oven. Yeah, I didn't really have to like. I didn't have to learn how to cook with eggs or anything like you did, Adam. Mm. So what I would, would ask you, Adam, is like as we go through this series, if there's any moments where you feel like kind of you you would empathise with the staff in these situations. Because you've been through a few kitchen nightmares yourself, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, to give you an example, and like I say, anything that comes up in the in kitchen nightmares that I've experienced personally, I will say. But as an example, like, the place that I was working in and managing at one point, our money situation got so bad that the owner made us buy all of our ingredients and all of our stock from Aldi up the road rather than getting it from a wholesaler. And that Sorry, is... I thought wow. I should do the sound effect as you were saying that. Thank you. Because it sounded like, you know... <laughs> That is proper kitchen nightmare stuff, that is, though. Like, having to buy stuff from the supermarket to cook with. Yeah, that, that, that's a really kitchen nightmares UK thing where he, he goes with them to Tesco and his arms are folded and they're buying, like, you know, ribeye beef, like, fucking, you know, <laughs> from the, the cold guts counter, you know? It's really bad. So, Gordon makes his order, and this is always my favourite part of the episode, when he gets his hands on some of that food. First order up mm. is the meatball sandwich. He's also got some chicken scarapello and the XL Capri Colossal Pizza. Extra large colossal. <laughs> now, he sometimes, his ordering process, is there anything that you kind of pick up from what Gordon tends to order in his first meal when he goes into Kitchen Nightmares? No idea. Other than he pretty much always will order the house special. Yeah. Like if they say, mm-hmm. if they use the word famous or best in the town, yeah. whatever it is, he always goes for that. And I feel as well, he always goes for the thing where it's like, you've got that many? All right, fucker. Let's, let's see <laughs> yes. this XL Capri Colossal Pizza. He orders stuff that he knows will be frozen for a fact. Yeah. Like, if yeah. he goes to a pizza restaurant and he thinks, well, maybe the pizzas will be fresh, and he sees that they also offer, like, oysters somewhere on the menu, yeah. he'll definitely <laughs> order the oysters because he'll know that they're going to be canned and frozen. I feel like he often tries to pick 
a meal that he feels they could create very easily from fresh and that he knows mm-hmm. they almost definitely will have frozen and some meals that are like very very hard and he's like well there's no way they're going to be able to cook this fresh so yeah. what the hell how have they gotten this in the first place i think mm-hmm. this menu is it it passes the bar in some respects because i think the biggest bugbear that gordon has and it's a huge bugbear that i have and also i would say you know if you're ever going out to eat or anything like that or even ordering in it's always a major alarm bell when the menu is colossal in itself. Yeah. When it's got like, you ever like go to a Chinese place and you're scrolling on the app or whatever and it's like there's hundreds upon hundreds mm-hmm. upon hundreds. It's like, look, I know there's probably like 10 different sauces that you can embellish, but it like, it overwhelms me. It makes me feel like, like I, I'm an idiot for ordering it. Like, don't order that. Order Obviously order from this yeah. part. This is this is the yeah. real menu, not this bit here. Like, I, I always remember in I was in Bray County, Wicklow, Ireland, home of Finn Balor and uh, Hoovers and Sledgehammers, and a lovely, lovely part of the world. My brother was playing a gig out there with a, with a few bandmates, and we all went out to grab a little bite to eat beforehand. And this was the time where the number one piece of food to have, you know, 2006 I'm talking, was taco steak fries or taco fries of any sort. Lots of little kind of local places around the area in Galway and in Dublin were doing their own kind of, you know, burritos for the first time, getting Mexican food. Taco steak fries, you got your fries, you got your taco meat, you got all the seasoning, cheese, bit of sauce, fucking lovely, really great. Go to this random chippy in Bray and all of a sudden you look at the menu and it's like takes up 10 walls. Oh, it's no. so big. And I see it and I go, the fuck they're offering like caprese salad here like this is and it was it looked like a proper proper greasy old like you know good honest old chippy not the type of place that should have this level of a menu of course my friend who didn't see any warning signs goes oh yeah i'll have the taco steak fries there mate please yeah absolutely and like the two guys behind the counter literally looked at each other and went "Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) an hour later an hour later, wow. right? This is a chippy mine. The rest of us got our food in around five minutes. An hour later, a tray of chips with a crumbled up burger and oh. ketchup arrived <laughs> and white pepper dusted on top. Therein, wa- oh, and some raw onions. Oh. Therein was the taco. Don't go. Ooh. That suddenly made it quite nice, actually. I quite like that idea. They didn't now, even put yeah. cheese on it for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, so, yeah. As the food is coming out, Gordon can't help but rip and poke at the seats. Yeah, he's destroying pretty much everything mm-hmm. in his surroundings. He's ripping up the seats. Look, you can't sit there anymore. <laughs> he's ripping up the floor. Look, the floor is all broken now. <laughs> did you hear what he found in the seat? What did he find in the seat? Sauce! What? Wait, in the seat? There's bloody sauce oh. in there! <laughs> and he found sauce in there. And also he starts having a bit of a... This is the bit I like where... You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, you think the room is fine and all that. Someone comes in and go, oh, really? And then they run the finger underneath and go, it's dusty. And then they start taking things off the shelves. And that's and so yeah. Gordon follows yeah. that kind of, you know, checking the barracks type of a thing. What do you think to his adventure to find some dirty old jars, Adam? He's found like a load of lasagna that's been there for like 20 years or something. <laughs> My favourite bit is when he picks up the hair and dust between the the edges of the seats on the floor and he just like picks it up with his hand and you know he's probably not going to wash his hands when he like touches all his food mm. when it arrives in a minute and it's like and, you know, I'm really glad there's no, there's no other, you know, customers here because he will always do this where he, like we were watching some stuff to get us psyched up for this random clips and he's there going down the back of the seat pulling out big clumps of hair and he's like, what's that that yeah. you're eating? You know, he puts his hat, <laughs> put his hands yeah. in there. This hummus is terrible. You know, <laughs> so he, he does make it a little bit hard from there. I like as well when they show that the, he literally Gordon is showing that there's dust everywhere, and it cuts back to one of the twins going, 
I hate cleaning. To me, that's a four-letter word. What the hell? What does that mean? Fuck me, yeah. <laughs> the fan has mold on it. I don't know how that happens. I've I've seen that in places really? before. Yeah. Back in back in my school, yeah, there was a there was a fan that was near the the changing rooms where all the people would come in from rugby and stuff, and it was all dirty and messy, and you'd literally see the strings of scum and <laughs> shit flying through oh. us, like didn't even go in with my white light like you know (laughs) this is a great appetite stimulator uh, as we get presented to the sandwich now joe's got away with words and away with bad food so you're gonna maybe describe to us for the folks at home on this audio podcast let's work with the the meatball sandwich the meatball sandwich which as they're putting it on the plate he goes work with me So my favourite thing about Kitchen Nightmares is the descriptions that Gordon does of the food. And sadly, he doesn't do many descriptions of the food in this no. episode. No. But I thought it would be a nice idea going forward for maybe some of our listeners to draw like fan art of the descriptions <laughs> of the food. It's rawpod at gmail.com. So seeing as Gordon's not provided us with descriptions, I'll do my best to do a Gordon Ramsay impression of what I think he would say about the food. So this meatball sandwich, I think he'd be like, look at this. Look at that. Look. It's like a big old floppy donkey dick covered in blood and sick and shit. Dipped in blood and sick and shit. Now, the only problem I have there is that donkey dick, absolutely. Yeah. But these are balls, Joe. Mm. Yeah. Um, so... Just the picture you've sent me, I can't see the balls. They're kind of no, like hidden okay. in the they're, big floppy donkey dick. They're in there. You know what it is? It's like a big floppy donkey dick full of balls is yeah. what it is. There you go. But, but he says that they're not even like ball shaped. He says they're mushy. They're frozen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you just know they've been frozen for so long. And don't get me they've wrong. got like freezer burn and they're starting to like disintegrate and fall apart. I, I, I love making meatballs, right? But we can all agree right here now that frozen meatballs, brackets, Ikea frozen meatballs, I mean, that's one of the greatest joys in the world. How do you fuck up frozen meatballs? Mm -hmm. They are delicious. Like, honestly, they're so easy to cook nicely. Like, I know Gordon has this thing about, like, if you go to a restaurant, you don't want to eat frozen food. And that is perfectly valid. Like, I love frozen meatballs for at home. But if I'm going to pay for them, I probably want them to be fresh. But, like, my God, how do you fuck up frozen meatballs? Well, the problem is, with the Ikea meatballs, they're modular, aren't they? So they'll fit into the roll very easily. These are off-brand ones, so they just kind of, like, you know, you might have to sand them down or put some, you know, kind of uh, some filler in there or something to, to, to make it work right. We have, I think, the squelch of the night when he bites into the meatball sandwich and it makes a... Oh. Sound was obviously been added yeah. in in post production. <laughs> They've got the big squelchy soundboard, haven't they? All the fucking gross Tom goes to the mayor sound effects and all that jazz. We then get shots of them pounding chicken as a big bad pizza comes out that gives Gordon Ramsay his first pressure headache of the podcast. The pizza is grey and wet. It looks like a stew to me. Like it's, yeah. It looks like it's so thick and all these vegetables are just swimming in liquid. I mean, it's very rare that you stir a pizza. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but he does. He gets a spoon and he stirs it around. He's making soup here. I've got some strong opinions on pizza. I mean, I'm sure we all do have strong oh, yeah. opinions on pizza. What would Gordon's opinion of this pizza be, Joe? I think Gordon's opinion of this pizza would be, look at this. It's a big, wet stinking grey pile of sick as if I had eaten some sick and then been sick very good excellent can I ask you Joe if you were having to say as Gordon what would he not feed that pizza to like I wouldn't even feed this pizza to my oh Oh, I've got one yeah I wouldn't even feed this pizza to my son who did a special social experiment (laughs) to see what it's like living on an estate where I grew up and Uber doesn't fucking come here, yeah? 
yeah, I think with 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 Gordon here now and the pizza, I, I feel bad for anyone who has a bad pizza. I love pizza. It's one of my mm. favorite things in the world. And I would say I've got a better tolerance than most for slightly bad pizza. You know, because I think a lot of the times in the UK, you'll get the standard pizza base where it's the pre-made yep. pizza base. That's got the kind of the, the the circles, the dots on it, you know, to, to let the air come out. Yeah. And I, I if that's cooked enough, I'm fine with that. Even though a lot of people are like, oh, I need fresh dough, bro. You know, I, I can have a, a frozen dough that's mm-hmm. just been cooked enough. But for me, any pizza that's remotely undercooked, like I'll take a burnt, overcooked pizza that's charred and crunchy any day of the week over a yeah. soupy pizza. Yeah. What are some of your pizza no-nos and yay-yays? Yeah, it's all about having the, the base and the crust actually well-cooked or actually well-made in the first place. I feel bad talking about this because it was something that was done out of love and the person's heart was in the right place. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> but my, my first girlfriend on my birthday, she'd been hyping it up. She was talking about how for the first time ever, she's going to try making her nan's traditional family pizza recipe and this is something that's been handed down and they've had it several times over the years in their family it's like a big talking point they love it is that like sorry for 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 just assuming but when you say nan's recipe generation to generation are we talking italian heritage here type of a thing or is this just not that i know of i I don't think she had any sort of italian heritage this was just something that had been a staple of their family for like decades and she hyped it up and I was really excited for it because, you know, I love having food made for me and it was a really nice gesture. And then on my birthday, she made it. We had it at cheese and tomato pizza done in this special way. And it was, it's the dough was the secret of the recipe. That was the thing that had been handed down for years was the way to make the dough. And I ate it out of politeness and out of love. I wanted to like be a, a good boyfriend and not complain or be rude or anything. But it was essentially a thin Victoria sponge cake with cheese and tomato on top of it and a bit of salt. It was, I I still get flashbacks to it all the time thinking about it and how weird the texture was and how not nice it was. It was so sad. And that was the worst thing. You're you're, you're a nice guy that you ate ate the whole thing. It wasn't so much disgusting as just sad, I think. It was just really upsetting, the whole situation. And on your birthday. (laughs) God, man, that sucks. I mean, I remember when you first told me that story and it was when I was still living with you. And I remember my reaction to it was like, oh man, God, that sucks, poor Adam. And then my immediate reaction was, wait a second, if you had that whole thing, like all this food that I've been cooking now, maybe it's like, <laughs> maybe it's like not good. And he's just being like super polite. like. You know? <laughs> Joe, uh, yays and nays for you with pizza. I like most pizzas. I'm, I'm more fussy about my toppings. I, mm. I'm i a pepperoni girl or mushroom. Yeah, you're really, quite limited scope for your, your toppings. Very limited. Like, mm. I really don't like chicken on pizza. I think that's disgusting. Oh, OG chicken and chicken and mushroom mm. right here, folks. No, mm. no pineapple or anything no. like that. No, no, no ham. I, I just like, I like the basics. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really fussy about it. Why have ham when you can have bacon? That's the thing, though. Because the other time you get that ham, it's a kind of sad ham that you can write a note on, you know? <laughs> and you don't, want, you don't want that, you know? But I really, I, I like bad pizzas. Like, there was this place in Lincoln, which I know you guys probably would have eaten at a lot. Oh, yeah. we had a fucking, we had a standing order there. Like. <laughs> hey, yo, Adam, mushroom pizza from... <laughs> Let me hear it one time, huh? <laughs> 
And they did a pizza there called the Explosive, which had like I remember a you reputation. That. We, it, we, we came when you hung out with me and Adam yeah. the first times. So. <laughs> it had a reputation, and it was like if you got the Explosive pizza, the idea was like you're gonna have terrible shits the next day. And oh. I remember I ordered it the first time I stayed over your house, yeah. and then you both made fun of me, and were like you're gonna have such bad shit. Yeah, we were like, let's get some pizzas. Leave me alone. Me, me and the grown up over here, we got some mushroom pizzas, and you there were like, and you got like this, and it was a small size as well. So the fact it had all this shit on it. Is as well all these like fucking peppers it has like garlic butter jalapeno peppers like pepperoni spiced beef it's oh so good mm. a bottle of vinegar on there as well yeah <laughs> why you know so we get the chicken scarapelli or more like chicken scarapella oh no it's fucking horrible <laughs> Uh, it's. I mean, it looks not that offensive. It looks oh, like I gotta it's very pale. Yeah, it's grey. I think it's worse than the other two meals, to be honest. It's mm-hmm. really, really bad. And as Gordon would say, look at this. It's as fucking white as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's as wrinkly as he is as well. That's some some old chicken is what it is. There's no seasoning. There's not even black pepper on it. Look, when the chicken has gotten old, it provides its own seasoning. It's a a tang. It's a fermented chicken breast is what we have here, folks. Like, you just know that chicken is frozen. Like, it's got no skin on it, no bone. It's going to be so dry and boring Mm. and no seasoning either. It's going to be just like, oh, it's just... I hate under-seasoned chicken. is an absolute crime. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the twins don't... Don't know how old it is. So upsetting. That's that's knowledge you need to know. You know what? I think as it comes up along the way, because I want to talk about cooking stuff here and there. People don't want me to tweet and tell me to stop. But (laughs) I've tried so many times, as I'm sure many people have, to make a lovely pasta sauce with chicken breasts. And I dare need I don't want to say it's impossible. But it's damn near impossible. You know what? And I don't think I've ever had a pasta with chicken breast that I've particularly been like, that's amazing. I mean, really? I, I've never I've mm. tried it with thighs or anything like that, which is traditionally a little bit more juicy. Mm. I think you could maybe cook a chicken breast on the bone with some skin in like a sauce like this and it might be nice. But like, I think I remember one of the first meals I cooked you that like I was not happy with was I tried to eat like chicken with a goat's cheese uh, sauce and, and spaghetti. Yeah. And the chicken, like I, I tried to kind of cook the sauce and reduce it the chicken just got drier and drier. But yeah. like, there was no way that chicken wasn't going to go dry and get any flavor into it, it felt like. So, I don't know. I, I try and avoid chicken and pasta, yeah. usually. Even though this should be my favorite thing. Creamy sauce and pasta and chicken, yeah. Yeah, I want to put it to you as a challenge that if you try doing it with chicken thighs or something, see if you can make us like a nice creamy lemon chicken and asparagus pasta dish or something like that. I bet you Ooh. could pull it off. I swear I've... Uh, you, you say those those ingredients. I think I may have made a risotto with those bits with, yeah. le- with leftover roast chicken and stirred it in in the end. But there we go. I like this. this is gonna be, if anything, I'm going to get cooking challenges out of this. So this is grand. <laughs> like. Gordon's getting distracted now. He's obviously sick of the food for good reason. And he started tipping over the dining tables. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's gum there, folks. My music teacher had this rule where if he ever caught you chewing gum he would put you in detention, which involved cleaning all the gum off the undersides of all his yep. classroom tables with a ruler. All right, I, I had a rule with, with gum and tables as well when I was a teacher. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> 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 you fucking kidding me? As a science lab, it's one goddamn big-ass desk. I ain't going down there. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Hell no. Uh, Gordon burps as he's eating it. He's like, ugh. <laughs> Uh, Wait, eating the gum? No! (laughs) Look at this. Look up. It's not even fresh. Doesn't even taste of mint! (laughs) Spear mint. More like spear my fucking eyes out. He burps after he eats the bad chicken. 
and I don't know why it reminds me of you know back in the day in school there was a there was a rough and tumble boy let's just say uh, and let's just say this boy once threatened to uh, firebomb a pizzeria once when they couldn't understand his thick North Dublin accent while ordering Whoa. a pizza. Oh, fucking burn the place down if you don't give me fucking calzone combo. Um, so <laughs> he had his calzone combo at one point and then later on in the evening he burped and I don't know why I overheard him. He said it to himself and he, would, he did kind of a wet burp. You know, oh. like, oh, you know, a wet burp with an echo? Yeah, the one you do mm. all the time. It, it's like a burp that sounds like it's taking place in a Roman catacomb or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's the start of the, uh, what was it, the Road Warriors intro music. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a horrible burp. He made this little burp and then he said to himself, Ugh, aftershocks. <laughs> Which anytime anyone has a burp that like kind of gives them a status buff, I'm like, yeah, that's a that's an aftershock oh. right there. But it's a bad one. Uh, did you hear the twins' excuse for why they don't have fresh food? No, we don't serve fresh food because we don't serve much food at all. <laughs> oh, lads! And the food keeps and the food keeps getting old. That's I, we can't stop it. We've tried, you know. We, we've tried doing rock paper scissors with death. It didn't work. <laughs> Gordon's really upset about all this gum on the tables, and he's showing it off to Jim and Jeff. He counted them all. There was twenty pieces. <laughs> That's not mm-hmm. even that many. Seeing as they were like, oh yeah, we've not cleaned these tables for thirty years. Well, if you ever taken your gum and you went down, and go, oh no, you know. No, down no room at the inn. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to put this right back in the mouth. Like, yeah. So Jeff is crying. See, I told you I could tell them apart. Jeff is crying. <laughs> I, I mean, you're saying that. I'm like, I have no clue if it's Jeff or Jim. It could be either. It's definitely no, Jeff. It's. I can cooperate. Jeff is the sad one. Jim yeah. is the nasty one. Yeah. Okay. Jeff is crying and he says, he said our food sucks and our restaurant is filthy. And Gordon can tell that they're not taking it serious because one of them puts, and I quote, his filthy, dirty feet on the booth. <laughs> like, he has one leg cocked back, folded, and the arms folded, which for me, that's corporate casual. I'm in the middle of doing something, but I'm listening for new tasks and instruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am an active participant in this kitchen nightmare. Yeah. Come on now. It's, it's gone a bit hard here on but him. But that's Gordon, isn't it? He will pick up on anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's the fucking little subtle dig. This is a burn I don't think I've seen on Kitchen Nightmares before. It was horrible. He's like, right, guys, I want you to clean the place up. I'll be back later on. And they're like, oh, where are you going? I'm going for some lunch. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Gordon says that they need to clean up all the shit off their tables and... Can they at least like wipe down some of the lampshades? And the twins are like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they just make their staff clean up while they go hang out together. Yep. <laughs> now they are eventually made themselves to start cleaning and participating. And I, I'm sorry, it seems a bit heartless here. I've written, but Jeff balls his eyes out because his dirty, filthy restaurant smells like fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Cleanest. Did you catch the amazing line they had to dub in in post because it was such a good gag? They had to go back and put it in there. As Gordon <laughs> says, like, right, I'm off to get some lunch. I'm fucking hungry. As he leaves, you just hear him, like, very obviously dubbed in. Classic Italian. What a joke. Oh, great <laughs> line, Gordon. Uh, guys, is there been a time on How to Wrestling, The Era, Smackdown Crawl, or, you know, any of our side series where you felt because we've all edited you know, all of our, all these episodes uh, at one point or another have you ever went back and kind of went oh there's money on the table there i could have made a sick yeah. burn 
You know? temp- it, really? Yeah, yeah. There's been times where it's been tempting, where it's like, how could you know? Could I really try and recreate the exact audio conditions and just slip my voice in there with that joke I wish I made? Slip that burn in. Like. There have been times I have considered putting together like commonly used words and phrases from each of us, oh, and then right. so I can rearrange them to say whatever <laughs> I want us to say, and just make my own podcast where I just like I'm the puppet master and I'm just creating all the jokes. Well, that's how I created the illusion of the character of Billy Cable was from. <laughs> Putting them all yeah. up and you're rearranging it and That's making it. That's why insane. he's a hologram. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, I I remember very, very early, I think it would have been like episode two or three, when when Adam and I first started our podcast with Billy and the Edge our podcast, we had a twenty pound budget for a Maplin's mic, which we then learned afterwards that if you recorded for more than I think two hours, it started glitching out. Oh yep. no. And then it was like episode one is like ninety minutes, episode two, oh we're getting a little bit good at this, hundred minutes, episode three, hundred and ten minutes, episode four, it's a two hour and a half, and oh. it, the half hour is gone. And then we're like, Can we just record the plugs at the end? And we tried and it sounded so weird yeah. and also billy wasn't there no um, so that for me that was an early an early indication of like no don't do it so little peek behind the curtain here folks what i do is i if i have a joke i will run it ragged i will do the joke and i will do any permutation follow-up of the joke until people stop laughing yeah and then when i'm editing <laughs> trim it out i will go yeah. like, what you see is is me figuring out the george costanza i'm out baby yeah. you know <laughs> but we usually you get nine or ten jerk store ran out of you moments that come after that that's i think i think lots of people don't realize about podcasting is that we come across a lot funnier and eloquent than we actually are because we are meticulously editing it to be our yep. best possible selves yep. in post <laughs> we have agency over ourselves yeah and to be honest, if you're not charismatic enough to think of a joke on the spot, I think it's kind of cheating just to dub one in later. Kitchen nightmares. More like audio nightmares. Jeff really, really is not doing well with this. He, he cries so much when he's cleaning. and I, <laughs> he's I, crying while cleaning. Yeah, he's relatable. While, yeah, it is, because he's there. He's like, it's not clean, I'm lazy, it's not clean. The other guy is like, just take a break! Would you stop doing it? You made me so annoyed. And this like... I, I told Joe, I was like, wow, I relate to this. This is like the two worst sides of my anxiety. Like when I get like really frustrated or when I get really depressed type of a thing. And I was going to make the exact same joke saying it's the two sides of my manic depression. Where it's like, I mean, they're really angry or really sad. So I like the fact that even though we watch this independently from each other, separately, we both came up with the same joke. Yay! <laughs> Jeff is honestly like every boyfriend that can't take criticism. So Gordon's like, uh, hey, do you think we could maybe like try some foreplay maybe? Well, I'll never have sex again. <laughs> the boyfriend's like starts crying. He's like, I just feel like I'm such a fuck up. There's like, nothing I could do right. And it's like, please, can you just touch my pussy, please? I don't think I can say anything here where people aren't going to think it one way or the other. So, like... As if I make a joke about you on a podcast with you. I know, but... I think that's what people like always assume is like I'm just like doing this to criticize. I was, I was literally about to put on some sunglasses and go, what's that like then, baby? But I thought... <laughs> Uh, no, I wouldn't say that because that would be wrong. <laughs> so yeah, they clean it up a bit. The twins are involved. <laughs> there are times where Gordon it feels like if he doesn't let out a criticism, it like he'll lose the ne- the maximum number of criticisms he can use next. Like it's it's a city budget or something like that. Mm. And like he comes in, and just goes, huh, the door shakes. For God's sake! All right, everything. <laughs> some basic issues here with the twins and the service staff about fridges and hot things oh this is so depressing this 
Yeah, I didn't understand what Gordon was going on about here because like he he brings out this like big box of sauce and is like touch it, touch the sauce, look at that, feel feel it. It's like why do you want them to touch the sauce? They're like yeah, we made this today. I'm like I'm very confused why Gordon's complaining about this fresh sauce. And then it turns out the sauce is mm. hot and it was put in the fridge. And this is when I get one of my favorite Ramsey lines. Anytime he has to teach yep. anyone about something going in there, he's like, what happens when I put something hot in a fridge? What happens when I put something hot or warm in a fridge? Uh, it'll go sour. <laughs> it'll go sour. <laughs> so s- sour. It's going to make a sour sauce, which obviously you want sometimes, but in this case, it wouldn't be appropriate. Surely it also damages the fridge, right? That's what I was always Oh, told. really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because like fridges are designed to be kept at a cold temperature, so you should never put anything warm in them because it can raise the temperature of the other food huh. in the fridge. How about that? He puts all the smelly vegetables in the bin because there's loads of them. Oh, there's a bit where he's like, what's that? What is that? And then the twins just turn to him and they're like, it's supposed to be eggplant? Like, supposed to be. And it's like this grey lump of slime. Yeah, it's sludge. It's like kind of furry and oh, this is going. This is going on. As service is <laughs> happening. <laughs> and their the kitchen is like right onto the yep. restaurant. So I'm pretty sure all the diners can hear and see everything that's Every going on. Every single bit of it. It's fucking horrible. And you have all the smelly food being chucked into the bin and then they cut to the diners. You can overhear some of the comments such as, it's so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen, the server, is like, she's been given a food to be taken back and she goes what, what's wrong with it and the person just goes it's just m- m- mush mushy mush they've definitely been fed lines by Gordon yeah. there I love this <laughs> and it was some- something that I wish I could get to do as part of Kitchen Nightmares because obviously Gordon comes to town he sets up with the restaurant and then word gets around that Gordon is here and he's trying to help this failing business so everyone flocks to the restaurant and it's way busier than it ever would be normally and you can just tell the customers that are there are relishing this chance to be like uh, well actually my plate was slightly cold so the food wasn't exactly as hot as I wanted it to be (laughs) and they're so smug and having such a good time I wish I had the chance to do something like this. Well it's a special safe practice mode to complain with your staff. Exactly they're going to just be backed up by Gordon Ramsay so you feel empowered like I never get backed up by Ramsay, and yet I'm the only swinging dick who ever seems to have to complain to people and oh, managers. I knew this is coming up because this is this is the dynamic with Kevin, me, and Adam. So we've got yep. two two baiters here who will never complain <laughs> about food in restaurants because we are we have social anxiety. And I, Kevin, I need to point yeah. out I'm an incredibly anxious person as well. I, I'm not making it up. Like, okay, yeah, it just affects you differently. You don't get anxious about asking, like criticizing people doesn't make you anxious. Yeah, no, confront. No, it makes me angry. That's the yeah. <laughs> confrontation for me and Adam is like the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, legit. No, for me, confrontation is a chance to to feel alive. And, <laughs> uh, I, I I I've just basically grown up with parents who are like, no, yeah, absolutely, no, That's what it absolutely is. not. Yeah. and also like my parents in their circle of friends and their workplace and all that, they were considered a light touch. You know, because if you went down to, for instance, the uh, the local pub in our in our village, and we got you know, kind of a fry or a burger or a club sandwich there, you know, you give them a bit of leeway. You know, the eggs mm. have been you know a bit fucking hard or whatever. But yeah, you know, we we had someone who would work with my parents, and they'd be like, "Excuse me, 
half of these chips are too crunchy. You know, so <laughs> I, I I don't want people to think I complain just for the hell of it. No. no, but I think there's one story you can tell which immediately explains why you're so good at complaining, mm-hmm. and it's the story you told me only yesterday about your dad ordering from McDonald's. <laughs> my dad is like, if my mom would obviously be the spokesperson on behalf of the of the table for this stuff usually, you know, and if it's like. You know, I remember there was times I would go to places like we went to the Avoca Cafe in Dublin as a treat for my birthday once, and I got a I got a shepherd's pie, and it was cold. And you know, I was like, "Oh, it's cold, but it's tasty, so I guess I'll eat it." And my mum was like, "No, it's this is costed. It's your birthday treat. Mm-hmm. I'm sending it back. We had to send it back three or four times. It came Jeez. back cold every time." Damn. But my dad used to return stuff to to McDonald's. You go to McDonald's with my dad, and you get a Happy Meal when you're a little kid or whatever. And my dad would get his quarter pounder, and then he'd be right back up there going, "Can I have that warmed up, please?" <laughs> and he, he he would return a burger and get him to put it in the fucking I don't know the oven. <laughs> the fucking balls of that! Like yeah. I cannot imagine the balls of the man who went up to a fucking Burger King and asked for a quarter pounder with cheese. Like you know, no whoppers <laughs> for him. He wanted his Big Mac. Like so, I mean, and also as well, my my best pal in university, Paddy. He he was a an only child whose parents like their great passion was you know going to restaurants and stuff like that. And his dad and his mum, I, I, I've never seen such articulate, level-headed, here's the deal, this is wrong, and I'm telling you why, and I'm not being a dick, but you need to do better for a restaurant because I want to come back here next week with, with my wife and have a nice meal type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I sat at the table of a lot of very empowering figures. You know, my mum, my my friends, my, uh, my, my friends' parents, and also a lot of people who took it too far. So I kind of had a few, you know, runs at the rodeo at doing this. So the time you guys met me, I was like pretty much like, I think you're a little younger than me. You guys are two or three years younger than me. Yeah. I do genuinely think that our generation has an issue with returning food. Like we're not allowed to. Like I think if you're under the age of 35, you have got a social foible that means you can't return food i don't know because alice is very good at returning food yeah. right yeah and she's younger than us my partner alice she's actually returned food to mackie's before now like wow. you were saying about your dad she she's done that when i've been there with her and i've been like really and it's been like sort of genuine admiration that the ball's on her that she will do that without batting an eyelid like and i feel like me and you joe are so lucky in that regard yeah. that we're so anxious <laughs> and anti-confrontational and we both have these partners that will go to the bat for us like i just think anyone who's listening who's probably had an experience where they've gotten something in a restaurant and they're like this is shit and they felt that they couldn't mm. speak up and i feel like honestly yeah. just try and take the little fear out of it what's the worst thing that can happen like they think you're a dickhead well you've given them something to chat about afterwards at work then you're doing a great service no the worst thing that can happen is they give me a really angry look and go and walk off that's the that's so bad and and withering looks affect one's bank account how i would rather pay 35 pounds for a meal i won't touch than get a disapproving look from someone i'll (laughs) never meet again yeah because you'll be thinking about it all day then afterwards not even all day all fucking year the rest of my life i still (laughs) think about the time when me and kevin went to we went to a nice place in media city and i got one of those hanging kebab things and it was the oh, worst yeah. meat I've ever eaten. I took one mouthful and I was like, oh, oh. I can't eat this. Like when you get a big thing and it's just meat and the meat is dry and it's not seasoned. Yeah. And I was really anxious. Damn. So I was like, I was fine with it. I was just like, no, it's fine. I'll just not eat it. And Kevin was like, no, I'm going to return it. We'll we'll get you it made properly. And the guy came over and was like, oh, fine. And then came back with one that was just as bad. And so I just, oh. I just started crying. I was like, well, okay. No. I just, I don't want to do it. 
Joe's not actually crying now. Oh. This is just a clever trick. <laughs> <laughs> acting. Don't fall for it now. But yeah, I think kind of it should extend that, you know, if you get something and it's raw and it's unsafe or anything like that or it's overcooked, yeah. But like, if you get something and it's like genuinely not as described as well, you, you do have rights, you know? I'm not saying like return everything back on a fucking whim. Don't be a dickhead, you know? Be within, you know, you should be as reasonable to them as they should be to you, you know? And I, I just think there's this, in England I've noticed particularly, there is a sense that I don't want to cause any bother. Yes. And I don't want to, and I get that you guys are socially anxious and that makes it harder, but I think even those who are not socially anxious mm. are more concerned with politeness yeah. and yep. just how it comes across. Totally. You don't want to kick up a fuss. Yeah, so just find a big loud Irish fucker to get you a free ice cream like mm-hmm. I did for Brian Zane in Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> we gave him the full experience when he came over here, folks. Both ends. So Gordon realizes that the twins have kind of skipped ahead to the breakdown part in the first act, which is a little bit too early. So we got one of them in the alleyway crying before he's even seen the service. And Gordon's like, we're going to bounce back. We're going to do it together. You've got this. Gordon always looks so uncomfortable when someone is crying around him. He always puts his arm out like this. Like so, I'm just I'm just putting my arm out in front of me just mm-hmm. for the people at home who can't see. What are you going for a choke slam? Like, like he's always going for a side hug, but never actually makes contact. Is that strictly for men? Do you think? Because I'm pretty sure he's yeah. like with women, it's a different story because he's very much yes. in there and he's like, oh my darling, come here, like don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Like he seems a bit more oh, caring yeah, really right. when there, it's a there woman is a, that's crying. Uh, like. a sexist nurturing side yeah. to him <laughs> in the in the sense that he treats women completely yeah. different to how he treats men on this show. Yeah. That will one thousand percent come through. He's not. Very very comfortable just being like he loves you know being combative with a with a man but i think being an empathetic caring guy here i like honestly for the first episode it seemed gordon like being like yeah you can do it and he seems so awkward he's like glance at the camera like don't look at me <laughs> cut this defrosting chicken tiddlers on a steam tray in a plastic bag in a plastic bag and, and he was like do you know what happens when you defrost something on a steam tray like that it's like are you gonna go elbow deep in it is that what happens gordon when something gets defrosted in a steam tray he sure does there he goes oh you can't serve that you'll kill somebody and then jeff says what do you want me to say it's a mistake and then gordon with the classic line a lethal mistake oh oh man now here's the thing a lethal mistake was that was that postscript was that adr in or was that i that don't there? think it was i think that was pre-planned though mm, interesting and they mentioned that it's the same chicken that they served Gordon. Oh, right. Yeah. This is when Gordon's like, did you catch this, Adam, where Gordon's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm a bit poisoned, actually. <laughs> yeah. I've been feeling sick all day. Yeah. I've, I've only just said it now. Um, you just made that noise after the lethal mistake there. And I think it is time we talk a little bit about some of the sound effects that get used in this show, because there are signature ones. <laughs> that, I, I was going to say, now, the one that you just did, the... That in my head is the kitchen nightmares noise. So yeah. I set out to count how many times they do that in this episode. <laughs> Yay! Unfortunately, it's only seven times, which doesn't oh, really? seem like that many. I did seven notice. times in forty minutes is quite a lot, though, Adam. In fairness, it is. But now I'm rethinking what is the kitchen nightmares sound effect because I noticed there was far more instances of the little rattly. <laughs> 
because that can be used after something funny. It can be used after something shocking. Yeah, it's absolutely. all the time. So I think from now on, I'm going to try and count those because I'm expecting 30 or 40 of them in an episode. Do you remember when you and I first met and we got obsessed with Kitchen Nightmares and we spent hours upon hours trying to find out what that noise was actually called? Yes. We were on all these like, special sound effects forums and stuff like that. And so people. what is it? I think it's some sort of violin, I think. You you did find it in the end. It was a stock violin sting. I right. do remember you did find the actual use yeah. of it in the end. But it was like, we thought it would be one of these things that because it was used on every fucking reality show, not just Kitchen Nightmares, like every mm-hmm. US reality show was good. To... And like particularly in adverts as well, they use the news, they use it as well. Like you'll see it on Last Week Tonight on their local news segments. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it appears Do a lot. Do you remember the yeah. specific, there was a first time where we actually really picked up on that, Kevin. We were watching like a compilation of Gordon melting down. And then one of us pointed out like, oh, there's an awful lot of sound effects going on here, isn't there? And then that was literally the only thing we could hear. And I remember we were literally in tears. We had to, we had to turn like, it off. Yeah. Like, once you start paying attention to it, it's all that you notice. It's, it's like jazz or seeing eye picture or trout mask replica. <laughs> once you can actually hear the things that they're not play- that they're not meant to be playing to the forefront, the bits that you're meant to tune out, you're actually listening to instead, yeah. it ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of trout mask replica, it makes it great. Gordon calls Jim a baby and asks if he needs his diaper change. Jim is much different to Jeff. Jeff is yeah. the tears. Jim, complete and utter rage. Exactly. He yeah. does not respond well to Gordon at all. Jim says, Gordon's the baby. Gordon is trying his damnedest to egg him on as well. It's not just the one instance. He's following him around the kitchen being like, oh, do you need me to burp you? Do you want your diaper changed? You're a baby. You're a little baby. Oh, you're going to cry because you're a baby. Like he's desperate. Pushing him. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you have a tiny dick as well, you little baby. <laughs> like, you know what it is in his mind? He's like, well, I've been out there and I've been really nice to the other one. Yeah. So I have to be twice as mean to the mean <laughs> one, like, you know? For every bit of empathy, Gordon's going to call someone a baby, like, you know? That's just the way it is. And he's like, right, the chicken's off. you got to tell people. Mm. And, you know, have you ever been to a restaurant? I mean, obviously you've been to restaurants, you yeah, know, we order Sunday evening or anything like that. We're like, hey, there's no fish, there's no chicken, we're out of mushrooms, you know? There's no water, you know, things like that. But have you ever been to a restaurant where someone's been out saying like, oh, this is off, folks. It's bad. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. No. No, because I think as Gordon made very clear, it's a really, really, really bad idea to do that. Well, you know what Jim says about Gordon? He's the baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does a chicken announcement. How does this go down, Adam? He basically goes out and he says, hey, everyone, due to circumstances, we can't serve any chicken. If you want to just eat what you've got and then go home that's cool like he basically is saying like you guys can just go this is bad basically if a kid was playing restaurant and then their mum comes and says and now oh we have to go now have dinner so tell all your soft toys that the chicken is off hi everyone <laughs> uh chicken's off you can eat or go away now bye <laughs> how's this guy got fucking a loan and a you know like a business loan from a bank like, yeah. how, how do they manage this you know, they, they have no acumen whatsoever. And this is the point in the episode where I'm like, he can give him a whole new fucking restaurant and new staff and new brains and they're still going to fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah, Gordon calls him a big wet noodle as well. And as, <laughs> as the guy is arguing, he nearly sets himself on fire. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, let me... <laughs> 
Gordon literally says, oh God, now he's set himself on fire. And then Jim says, yeah, I hope so. A lot of joy happening here, but nothing near the joy of Darian, the pizza cook, who's got a fucking shit-eating grin from ear to fucking ear. This Cheshire pizza cat over here. What the heck? This guy is like not even trying like he doesn't care. He is gleeful about this. This is one of my favorite tropes from Kitchen Nightmares. And again, it's something very relatable. Back when I was managing that cafe and like the owner was making all these horrible decisions, I wanted nothing more than for Gordon Ramsay to come in and for me to just be in the background of every shot smiling and nodding and being like, that's right. Yeah, you tell him, you tell him. Like, <laughs> I love it when the staff are just literally like, dying for this they've waited years and years and now someone else is getting it all out and it's so validating there almost always is once per episode isn't there there's someone who gordon will come with and very often it's it's the the girl who serves him or something yeah, like that and she's yep. like a little bit younger and she gives him like the look like oh it's gonna be bad gordon she's, and he's like oh sweetheart i'm so sorry for you what come come work with me in aubergine like you know <laughs> gives him, giving him jobs and stuff you know but he there's always someone where it's like they come in and, and gordon's like what and they're like you know what and he's like i do know what and they immediately connect <laughs> darian who's off there pizza cooking he's just laughing and clapping his hands in isolation they have had to wait some of these customers two hours to get food you ever waited two hours for dinner i we we waited an hour and like 10 when we were in we went to greece on holiday a few yeah. years ago after the live show and I remember you went mad. I went fucking mad. You I was get very angry when you're hungry. I, I was absolutely hangry. No, I was. I was really, really hungry. And like this place, like it had been open for like two or three hours. It was like two o'clock. Like, you know, it's, it's not as if they hadn't been serving. And, you know, there was people mm. who were all there who had been served. But I think either we came after the lunch rush or before the lunch rush. But like I had to complain to them after waiting for 45 minutes to get them to start cooking the food. Like, I could see them, they were just sitting around, like, smoking a cigarette, and, like, on their phone. And it's like, why? Just, <laughs> I've ordered food, make the food. I, if, I, I'm the worst in the world if I'm in a restaurant and I get hungry. Yeah. It's it's the worst place to be. I'm really sorry for both of you who had to be with me in those situations. Thank you. Thank you. I think we deserve that. <laughs> it's the fucking worst. I think the worst instance I've had to wait was when I was, like, 14, and me and my family went camping. And my dad absolutely hates camping. He gets really, really stressed. And this was, like, peak at my parents' divorce. So they were, like, right in the midst of splitting up. We went for this really long mm. walk through the countryside. It was, like, four hours. And we went to this pub for lunch. And it was a two hour wait. Whoa. And my parents were tired and uh. wet and hungry and in the middle of divorcing each other and on a camping Look, holiday. Give me my meal or my divorce, but something's <laughs> got to give in this next hour. I think it might have been the worst two hours of my life. Jesus. Like, in terms of like leaving, was what I was wondering with you guys if you ever like had a, a family like leave or whatever, or your group leave because you've been waiting so much. I remember very early memory, I must have been like seven or so, random restaurant that we were in. And I remember we were waiting, like, we had to wait at the bar for, like, an hour or something like that. And we were all really hungry. You know, it was right by the hotel or whatever. And we were kind of stressed out. And I remember we'd waited so long, the maitre d' came over and said, sorry, it's now past, like, half eight. And we have a rule that there's no children in the restaurant after, oh like, my oh my God. whatever it is. And they were like, you can eat here at the bar or whatever. And my parents were like, fuck this, fuck you, we're out of here. Like, and they, they Why would they off. let kids eat at the bar but not in the restaurant? <laughs> I know. That makes no sense. <laughs> you know, that, I think that was my earliest memory of like the angry drive-thru. Like, wow. you know, give me 10 yeah. fucking McNuggets. <laughs> I don't care what denominations they come in. Give me 10 fucking McNuggets. 
<laughs> One four-letter word to summarise the attitude that Gordon's seen on display, guys. Uh, lazy. Yeah. They're all lazy. Yeah. Jim's started wearing a hat, though, which is handy for you because it means you can tell them apart. So the, like the angry in, man wears the hat. The angry man wears a hat. Mm-hmm. It's like in Pokemon, you know, when like Ash's Squirtle meets up with all the other Squirtles and you can't tell which one's Ash's Squirtle anymore, so he puts on sunglasses. Yep, Turns exactly. out he's a fucking hoodlum as, all, the whole time, <laughs> like, you know, unbelievable. And we kind of ended the service the same way we ended the last service, which wasn't even a service, with a genuine plea to fucking clean the restaurant and one guy crying saying that he's a failure and the other guy being too yeah. angry to clean Jim no Jim's trying to clean the oh, angry yeah. one yeah. and he says he's somehow making it dirtier so he's like literally <laughs> sitting on the floor scrubbing this oven crying saying I can't take a break I'm too lazy as it is which is so me in a manic depressive episode like where I just <laughs> I'm obviously depressed like I'm not actually being lazy I'm just fucking exhausted mentally yeah. they, they, need, they need help like, they do they're not, they have not got good coping mechanisms and I think like, I, I don't want to get too much into the psychology of twins and stuff, but one would imagine if you are given to certain frames of thought and stuff like that, and you're, you know, the person you spend so much time with is kind of got an opposite kind of cycle to that, that it would probably, these guys feed into each other quite negatively, like mm-hmm. the anger and the sorrow and whatnot. And I feel it's yeah. like, it's played up for yucks here, but I think you let the camera run for an extra five or ten minutes and this would seem really uncomfortable, really sad. Yeah. And like, we're going to break with a guy crying about not being able to clean, but like, you know, mm. think that in, in the actual context of where it's happening, it's really fucking sad. Yeah. You know, and I think we're, we're, we should point out that as crazy as Kitchen Nightmares as it is, and as wild as it runs with its premise, it is very often edited amorally. Oh, yeah. Day two, and Gordon does something that usually we would find out about over the series of a few scenes with lots of things being set up in Kitchen Nightmares UK. It's something that he often does where someone's like, I'm not going to do lunch service, or I'm not going to do you know fresh soup and veg at 12 p.m. I'm going to sleep in. And then Gordon goes into the restaurant himself, and he, he shows them. He's like, look, me and the staff, we, we made all this stuff. And then gives them the money afterwards. It's such a power move. Yeah. (laughs) Legitimately, my favourite ever episode of Kitchen Nightmares is one that took place in France with an expat. And she's this kind of like somewhat spoiled lady whose dad has given her loads of money to own a little cafe in France. And she just wants to hang out with all of her artist friends in Paris. And she has this like struggling veggie cafe that she really doesn't run properly it's like it's it's sloppy it's it's done badly and the, the chef's a madman and she never opens for lunch and then gordon grabs the keys off of her one day he sneaks down while she's hung over he opens up the place on his own no help he does cheese on toast and tomato soup for five euro and he fills it twice and he makes like 250 quid for her in two hours and she shows up like with the big sunglasses hung over and he's like i just ran a service for you on my own i made cheese on toast and tomato soup and you've made 250 euros and she's like yeah whatever man and like <laughs> that's such a powerful thing to show that you can do it gorgeous coming and going me and your staff have made three new dishes here they are chopped salad lasagna pizza enjoy there's a sign spinner as well now yeah mm-hmm. the sign spinner is so good as well he looks like a professional like acrobatics gymnast or something <laughs> that's gordon's personal sign spinner that he has on retainer <laughs> like usually spinning the aubergine sign He's got binders full of sign spinners. (laughs) So like, yeah, I kind of feel like while this is my favourite thing Gordon does, this was done in such a slapdash, non-appreciative way. This is like if you two went to the toilet and I complained with the the staff about your meals and you didn't even get to see it, like, you know? Yeah. There's a process involved that needs to be appreciated and we didn't get it here with Gordon. I thought... 
the twins just had a nice lunch and were given three hundred dollars and they didn't appreciate it. <laughs> I think I, I think they did appreciate it because there's a quite a touching moment where they're eating the pizza and Jeff has a bit of cheese hanging from his mouth and Gordon tenderly wipes it away and then Jeff starts crying oh. with happiness. Yeah, and then one of them coughs in Gordon's face as well. They're like, oh, Gordon, we're so sorry about how this is going. And right, this is genuinely speaking what makes Kitchen Nightmares US different from the UK. Gordon always will do outside the box team building stuff, but this is outside the box. We are going to solve all of your personal and business problems with one gimmick. And what's the gimmick this time, Adam? It's boxing. He's going to make the two go to a boxing gym and do a little bit of sparring to get it all out of their system. I don't hear no bell. Ding, ding. Yeah? It's uh, boxing, Joe. Do you think you could uh, learn a lot about yourself from boxing someone? Here's a fun fact. My dad was a legit boxing champion in school. What? Is your dad Baron Corbin? Yeah, he uh, he was the the top champion in his school and uh, he defeated his school bully in in the boxing (laughs) ring. Apparently my dad was so good because he's got really long arms so he can like reach really far away. It's like that video game on the Switch that's just arms. That's my dad. (laughs) He's got garbage scooping arms. Garbage scooping arms. We have the most ridiculous noise here where Jeff says, I don't work out. And then we have a loud bouncy ball noise that's like boing. Yeah. What is that? I don't work out. It's like starting an old car after a year sitting there. It's going to go fart out a little bit. That's, that's, I mean, I don't know what they're hoping to achieve here because like there's a before and after. There's like the before when like before Gordon's spoken truth to power. And he's like, he's punching him and he's kind of struggling and he's wheezing and he's like, and he tries to do some uppercuts and Gordon's like, that's fucking shit. And then Gordon is like, now you need to hug your brother and work through your issues. Also, we will make meatballs in the restaurant. And then he starts punching him again, exactly the same, if not worse, because he's more tired. And Gordon's like, yeah, that's it, get in. I will say. What the fuck is this? What has been learned here? (laughs) No, these lads, like, this couldn't have gone better from Gordon's point of view, because they get into this. Like, he's doing it with the first one. I think it's Jim that goes first. And he's like, eh, eh, he's not really into it. And then Gordon starts talking to him, and he's like, what are you afraid of? And he's like, screwing up. What are you so angry at? myself like it's so dramatic and literally exactly what gordon wanted to get out of this yeah and then jeff the sad one comes in and he's like i'm gonna fucking burst this fucking thing mate and he's like bam 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 he's got so much aggression to get out like jim calls himself a failure and gordon says you're not a failure we all make mistakes in life which is really nice. I think we could all do with a bit of Gordon saying we all make mistakes in life, well, in to, our lives. To, to once again talk about why the UK version of this show is better, there were a number of times in the UK nightmares where he's like, you know, when there's someone he's like, I want to open another restaurant and another restaurant. And then Gordon is like, in 2004, I tried to open a high class, you know, high class dining establishment in my hometown of Glasgow. It lost lots of money and I made headlines for all the wrong reasons. And it's like Gordon goes bust in hometown. And he's like, it was a mm-hmm. professional humiliation, but also a financial one as well. And like, I've never lived it down. So I know what I'm talking about. And you know what? You're not going to see Jamie Oliver being there like, guys. Let's feed the nation because all my restaurants went bust. (laughs) (laughs) Guys! That's very good. Every time Jamie Oliver claps his hands, a Jamie's Italian goes bust. (laughs) (laughs) Stop clapping, Kevin. We have a very cute moment here at the end where... 
the twins are fighting each other they're boxing each other and between blows they're like we can work together we're gonna be successful we just need to talk to each other yay and like Gordon's basically got a full blown erection because this is going so well I hate this yeah. I hate it so much because it made me feel like when I listened to guided meditation they're like and now you're relaxed. Like, no, I'm not. Stop putting <laughs> thoughts in my head. I love that, like, they start off sparring where each of the twins gets a go at, like, punching the pads that Gordon is wearing. Yeah. And then after he's done it and he feels like he's made a bit of a breakthrough, he's like, right, we've got the gym for another 10 minutes. And I've always wanted to see a man fight himself in the ring. So if you could, <laughs> you could just have a little fight for my entertainment. And he's literally just stood there watching him like, this is brilliant. This is everything I've wanted. Like, he's loving it. Yeah, Gordon is uh, is is riding high on this because they're kind of they're reacting like he's done loads and he's done actually very little. So it's yeah. it's it's win freaking win for Gordon, who then reveals the way he's going to save the whole restaurant, other than the new menu. I believe he's already kind of put together. It seems that for was lunch. the lunch menu. Okay. So now yeah. he's putting together a dinner menu. And the highlight of the dinner menu is meatballs, which he's going to make homemade. And Gordon, in classic Gordon fashion, makes some meatballs. And literally turns to them. He's mostly obscured their view. Goes, can you do that? Yeah. And that's that then. <laughs> now, I, I, I get it. If you watch a Gordon Ramsay YouTube video, you'll think within five minutes, I understand how to make this and I will do it right now. Yes. And I'll tell you right now, guys, I've made you the Gordon Ramsay cannellini bean and chorizo stuffed roast chicken on more than a few occasions. Probably at least 20 or 30 times I've made it in total. Every single time I have to go back and look at that recipe because he's so fucking fast and he's so yeah. like hypnotic that you don't absorb what he's doing. Yeah. In the meatball session here, we get another sound effect, which may be the same one that you were referring to a second ago, Joe. It's the sound <laughs> effect they reserve to literally make fun of someone and make them sound like an idiot. Because Jim is stood there and he's like, he's done the meatballing and he's like, I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm a professional. And you get a big... Like, no, he's bloody not. It's been a long time since we made meatballs, but I'm ready to do this. I am a professional. Fucking hell. Right, now all the food is sorted. It's time for uh, some of the Kitchen Nightmares classic, which is making out that something happened that absolutely didn't. Uh, Gordon's like, say that you've got meatballs. We have meatballs. Say it louder. We have homemade meatballs. Scream it. We have homemade meatballs. Cut to an exterior shot of the entire township of Eagle Rock with an echoing, we have meatballs. <laughs> yeah, they heard them from miles, man. Yeah. <laughs> all the dogs and the coyotes were up all night because of those meatballs. Gordon's done over the restaurant. Mm. And now, usually, I've not seen a huge amount of Kitchen Nightmares, but the episodes I've seen, it seems to be a running theme that Gordon will always make the restaurant very white. Like, he'll paint the walls white, he'll add white furniture. It's the just... style of the kind of the, the 2010s when yeah. the one of this would have come out, I think. Bright and airy. And I think if something is bit run down and grotty looking it's the easiest way and the cheapest way to make it look nice which is oh, absolutely. To, to paint it white like hey that's why we painted our house white right <laughs> <laughs> he's also gotten someone to design them a cute logo which is of the twins like wearing cute chef mm -hmm. hats and he's even added pews from their local church to sit on in their restaurant, which is nice. Because they're going to need to ring up God and have a chat with him after this one. Doesn't the church need those? <laughs> <laughs> like... Nah, pizza's way more popular than God these days. Jim is crying with happiness again, but Jeff literally looks like a changed man. Like, he yeah. looks so different from here on the rest of the episode. He looks like a, just a whole new person. My issue with this is that I find that people who are incredibly emotional and kind of wear the heart in their sleeve and kind of run hot and very cold like this like these guys do 
I think they're very easily with someone very like, you know, so an outside person like Gordon, who's very, very strong and very powerful kind of voice and all that, that he can kind of make them kind of go, yeah, everything's great. Like there's a kind of a cult personality mm-hmm. here where yeah. like, yeah, he does look like a new man. I would imagine like in a month or two when it wears off Gordon being there, those issues are going to come back, right? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't like cured him of laziness. Uh, what are you on about? Did you not see the uh, the little boxing segment? Like that's that the therapy has worked, Kevin. <laughs> They're fine now. It's all good. Okay, Adam, it's okay to ask for help and to go into a boxing ring with Gordon Ramsay <laughs> and fight someone, okay? That's what some of us need these days, you know? <laughs> I gotta ask you, like, just giving someone a new restaurant. Like, I, it's implied that you get a new restaurant if you take part in Kitchen Nightmares. It's kind of like the main, like, like we will give you a new restaurant for what we will do to you. Yes. <laughs> but, like, is there any level of appreciation? Like, have them paint it, have them find the pews, have them do a bit of it themselves, right? Yeah, and doesn't he do that in the UK Kitchen Nightmares, where he kind of gets them involved and, like, is, has them be part of the work that gets done, so they kind of, they understand the inherent value in what's been mm-hmm. done. And he will say, like, oh, we're doing this up, and he says, we've only got the money to do this. Like, yeah. I remember there was a time where he, where they painted a colour, so it was like, change it to another colour, and like, well, we only had, like, this much money, yeah. so no, we're not doing that. But, like, this place looks so nice now mm. for this relaunch, and... I don't know, like, if you had a kid who, like, wrecked up their bike and, like, didn't look after it and didn't clean it and the chain broke and it got all muddy and they left it for ages, do you just make them box their brother and then give him a brand new shiny bike? Because <laughs> <laughs> that ain't great parenting right there, you give like. Give yelling to from Gordon Ramsay, then you give them a new bike. I will say, I feel like... When we said earlier, there's so many people that go on Kitchen Nightmares and they invite Gordon Ramsay to come in and save their business and they're always like, oh, I don't need fucking Gordon Ramsay telling me what to do, man. I already know what I'm doing. And you're sort of like, well, why did you invite him on here then? It's for this. There's so many people that just do this just so they can get a free renovation. It's blatantly obvious. (laughs) Now, we're obviously in an earlier season, so this is before the Ramsay standard wireless devices get handed out (laughs) to everyone. Uh, Turns out you can solve all your problems in life with uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. But we have the big relaunch, and it is one of these things where clearly the relaunch did not go well, but we edited it in a way to make it seem like the problems happened at the start and then went away at the end. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to the much more likely reality that the food being cold and them, and I quote, just having to reheat this food didn't go down as the way it was shown to us here. Yeah, the twins are struggling to reheat the food that Gordon's made. And there's a particularly bad shot of Jim grating cheese onto some pasta, only the cheese is being grated onto everything but the pasta. And Gordon's standing over him like, he cannot believe his eyes. Picking flecks of cheese out of his face and stuff (laughs) like that as it goes. I mean, it's a big turnaround here, isn't it? I feel like this is one of the problems with the US Kitchen Nightmares in particular, because on the UK one, it felt like he would coach them and he would walk through the menu with them and there would be a bit more time to learn things and get to grips. Whereas you make him taste everything that he makes. Yes. You know? Whereas in the American one, it is very much like last night we did a renovation. Here's the new menu. I'm going to quickly teach you how to make these, and then tonight we're going to get to service, and you're going to nail it first time. And it's just it's yeah. so quick, <laughs> and it's like you've got to get it all done in one weekend. And I thought there is no way that it can get more like irresponsible and quick and careless. And then I'm getting, I'm assuming you guys must have seen it by now. He did do a new series recently, like a year or two ago, called 24 Hours to Helen where the whole process is in 24 hours from start to finish. Oh, it's so he mad. He was there for a week on Kitchen Nightmares UK, yeah. usually. Wow. And then he would come back for another week later yes. on as well. So, like, here's literally the process, folks, of how quickly this turns around. The food is cold. Everyone is pissed off. 
Gordon starts shedding at them both. Now it's okay. <laughs> Bless you both, says Gordon Ramsay. But they mention at one point that some diners are waiting over an hour for food. Hey, it's better than two. It's better than two, I guess. It is. And, and then, now all of a sudden Gordon's reframing it because he's like, stop rushing. People will wait for good food. <laughs> so now the wait isn't a problem anymore. Like, it's a good thing. I mean, they'll wait and they'll get angry and like, you know, they'll hate us. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, have you ever gotten food when it's come late and then you're like, you're so hungry that it's like when you're overtired. When you're, you're really tired, and you finally get to sleep and you can't fucking sleep. And then you're like, mm. your stomach is eating itself. You finally get food and it just... You feel like kind of it going into you. Like, yeah. you know? yeah. So I think there is a there's a lot to be said for getting food uh, quicker than an hour, Gordon. And as he leaves, he says, "It'll be a great tourist attraction," Im- implying that there's some value inherently here, and it being a complete fucking shit show. <laughs> Before you do that, I just we got to talk about this. This is one of my favorite tropes in Kitchen Nightmares. Is every episode of the US one ends with a little shot of Gordon coming out of the restaurant and then talking directly into the camera like, wow, what a crazy weekend. And he's doing like all the big hand gestures. He's like, I can't believe how that restaurant has turned around in just 48 hours. Now, let's just hope they can make it stick. And then he walks off down the street like he's going to walk to the next city or whatever. And he'll always have some little comment under his breath where he's like, fuck me, what a dog's dinner. And this time (laughs) he literally just goes, oh man, who doesn't love pizza and a show? Next time on Kitchen Nightmares. It's such a lame <laughs> ending. Well, I kind of was hoping, because every time you notice this, when Gordon, he comes out and he does his little his little promo and then he walks off, you always get the kind of like the boom that goes up, like the shot that kind of rises and you see like the cityscape. Yeah. I don't know why. Every time Gordon walks off, I just want like the outro music from The Wire to play. Like, <laughs> walking in the dirty street. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> One month later, and things are looking up for the Capri Italian restaurant they're doing lunch service and it is now a eagle rock hot spot well that's disconcertingly vague enough to get us through <laughs> had a great line from jeff it's time that i started working as a man and not as a butthead oh. yeah very very less buttheads in the in the kitchen guys yeah less buttheads in the kitchen <laughs> the final final moment of the show though that really made me laugh and i had to rewind and pause it to catch this because it's only on screen for like half a second or something But at the very end, it comes up with some text that says, the footage shot in this program has been edited such that in places it is shown in a different time sequence than actually shot. (laughs) What a a horrible sentence. That is so unwieldy. Yeah. Good God in heaven. That is, that honestly, that's, that's, that reveals a lot about the show. Yeah. But it reveals it in a way that like if a magician is telling you how he does a trick, but he's also doing another trick at the same time. Yeah. You know? Adam, this episode of Kitchen Nightmares was uh, was your baby, so to speak. Capri, how did they get on after all this went down? Let's have a little bit of a post-mortem here, yeah, shall we? Yeah, let's dive into this, because as some people may already know, there are a couple of different blogs out there that are dedicated to sort of following the journey of any any restaurant that's been on Kitchen Nightmares and see, like, where are they now? Am I right to say that... Because remember, I used to follow this a lot back in the day, and I used to have this thing, like, oh, I want to go to as many restaurants from Kitchen Nightmares as possible. Oh, no. Because I'm an idiot. Um, but most of them tend to close, and that's just tend to be because the restaurant industry in the UK and in America has got a high closure rate anyway. Yeah, like, literally 90% of the time we'll watch an episode, and it's the worst when it's, like, a really, like, heartwarming story of a family that maybe they lost someone and they finally turned their business around, and you're like... Oh, that was actually a really nice episode. Let's see where they're up to. Oh, close six months later. Like, it's so Mm. typical. They don't stay open for very long. Now, the lads at Capri, 
They got loads of four-star reviews. If you go on their Yelp and their TripAdvisor, it's like nothing but glowing positive stuff. So they didn't slide Whoa. back into their old habits. They kept it up That's and they good. kept improving. and st- They held the quality and the standard up after Gordon left. And they stayed open until September of last year. Wow. Wow, that's a success they story. Have. That is one of the big, I, I shouldn't yeah. think we're not going to get anywhere remotely no. close to a success story like that. That's wild, Adam. Yeah, for Kitchen Nightmare standards, that's incredible. They kept it going for years after the fact. And yeah, last September, they, they closed the doors and they wrapped everything up. If you go on their Facebook page, there is a five-minute video of the two twins stood outside the restaurant like at 10 o'clock at night or whatever, filming it on their phone, talking into camera, thanking everyone that ever helped them and saying like, oh yeah, we want to thank Gordon Ramsay and everyone that's ever given us a hand over the years and all of our regular customers, they list off a few names and they're like, and because we're going out today and it's our last one, we're going we're gonna to do one more song for you guys. And you're like, what, they do songs? <laughs> and they spend like ages singing i got friends in low places like they're just literally like looking around like obviously people are staring at them in the street so did it did it did it close because it just you know ran out you know business wasn't good enough for them in their harsh climate or was there any any reason or rationale for it i couldn't find any statements as to why they closed it just it did close they said they were moving to i think they were moving to florida to be with their parents and to hang out with their family a bit more I did a little bit of Facebook sleuthing, and apparently Jim, the angry of the two gentlemen, now works for FedEx. Oh, there you go. Probably do them twins good not to be working with each other 24-7, like. <laughs> yeah, probably. Wow, well, that's kind of a heartwarming success story. Yeah. Hey, wrapping things up, I want to ask you guys for your kitchen nightmare hero. So the person in this show, other than Gordon Ramsay, who you felt really helped the restaurant come through, and your dish of the day. What dish, if any, on this episode would you eat in any of its guises it was presented to you as. Uh, let's start off with Joe. Who was your hero and what is your dish? Oh, this is hard because I feel like there's only one obvious hero in this episode and mm. that's Colleen. Mm. Yes. I mean, I've got to say, the I, the I don't know her name, the uh, the, the waiter who sort of Gordon. I mean, they're always great, aren't they? Yeah. Mia. So yeah, mm. okay, I'll go with Mia then. Yeah. Okay, cool. And your dish of the day. Oh, let's go with the meatball sandwich that looks like a floppy donkey stick. Really? So you, you like a meatball sandwich then, yeah? Oh, I love like a Subway meatball sandwich. Yeah. It's one of my faves. Interesting. I've made meatballs for as many times. I don't think I've ever had leftover meatballs afterwards no. to make a sub out of. I like but... them too much. I'll eat them all. Yeah, maybe maybe that we want to try. Uh, Adam, your hero and dish of the day. I'm going to have to say Colleen, just because like her long-suffering tenure there, the fact that she was there for so long, it was really nice that she got the reward in the end of actually working in a competent restaurant after having been there for all that time. And she clearly was like, you didn't, she didn't have a great involvement in this episode, but you could tell from the outside that she was definitely like sort of the glue holding these two together. Like, like she, yeah, yeah, she knew how to make meatballs from scratch. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I have to go for, for her as well, definitely for, for my hero. What's your dish of the day then, Adam? Am I allowed to choose from when Gordon revamps the menu or have I got to go yeah, with... any any of the food oh, you saw. I didn't realize we're allowed to do that. Any, I said any of the food you saw in any of its guises. Okay, I'm going to go for that nice... You made, you made your donkey dick now like this. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can change it if you want. That's totally fine. Yes, please. Okay. What would you change it to, Joe? Go for it. I'd change it to the nice pizza that Gordon Jenny yep. wiped off Jeff's face. That's exactly what I was going to say. That really like well done basic mozzarella, just a margarita pizza that is like just yeah. tomato with a few blobs of mozzarella and some basil on top. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'd say my dish has got to be he remade the lasagna, mm. and it, it, lo- it was like you only saw it very briefly, but for me, a freshly made 
really good yeah. lasagna is like one of the greatest goddamn things in the world. Like, give me a bit of fresh pasta. Hey, maybe give me a different meat inside, not just beef. Maybe give a bit mm. of pork in there. I'm all about that. And I know that Gordon Ramsay would make a fucking killer lasagna-like. So, yeah, those are additions. Those are heroes. And that's the story of Capri from Kitchen Nightmares. Who should go next to take an episode under their wing, then? Me, me, pick me. Yeah, Joe, well, you got an idea in your mind about what you'd like to do? No idea, because I haven't seen many mm. Kitchen Nightmares. So I think I'm going to need help from our listeners or, you know, suggestions from you two. Or I'll just go and do my own research, maybe. I think Adam and I definitely have got, like, a list of episodes in the back of our mind that we'd love to do, you know, at some point. I don't think, if we do Amy's Baking nah. Company type oh, of thing. Yeah. Too soon. T- too, too soon, you know, kind of, we, like, like with Cinema Swill, we couldn't do the room straight away. you got to wait a few episodes to get to the, to the classic stinkers or whatever. So yeah, I think that we will do a rotation. I will ask any and all folks for suggestions for episodes you'd like us to cover. And don't just say season four, episode three. Tell us your justification yeah. why. Why you think it might be a fun episode. And particularly for Joe as well, who might be less familiar. Her, those suggestions I'm sure will be incredibly useful and helpful as well. We are after, as always, your kitchen nightmare stories. Remember any story you have to tell that you've experienced in your life and you want to share with us here in the podcast, we'll do one of those at the start of every episode. And if you've got any Gordon Ramsay facts that we can share and build up a bigger image of the man because I think we've all agreed we've so much to say about Gordon Ramsay we've all had to take the hand off the throttle yes. a little bit here I think we've been quite reserved in our mm. Gordon talk but obviously we're going to drip that out a little bit as it goes on any facts info or weird things or things you'd like us to talk or find out about with Gordon or any questions about us about food it's rawpod at gmail.com that's it's rawpod at gmail.com obviously don't put an apostrophe in my there. special request is I especially want to hear anyone's stories if you've met Gordon Ramsay oh. I've had to sort of like you say, we've got a lot to say about him. We've already gone for two hours here, so I'm holding back a lot of things. But for instance, my mum's met Gordon Ramsay. Alice's mum has met Gordon Ramsay. Like, it seems like a lot of people have met Gordon Ramsay out and about at some point in life, and that's the kind of stories I want to hear about the most. Wow. Okay, okay well, I'm going to put an official brief then for the listeners at home. I want to cover an episode of Kitchen Nightmares that has silly gimmicks, Ric Flair, <laughs> Macho Man, <laughs> Savage, or Bret Hart. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> you're only making one brief at a time like, there's no point in doubling it up like, oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well folks until next time where we return to the nightmare it's a goodbye from me Kevin me Adam and me Joe I will catch you next time on It's Raw wow What an amazing start to what is definitely going to be a very exciting season of podcasts. The three co-hosts seem to be having a fabulous time together and there's a lot of good energy coming out of the kitchen. Let's just hope they can keep this momentum going throughout the remainder of the series. Fuck me. Pod crabs? Thank God it wasn't pod crap.